Margaret, what can I do for you? Hawk. My log has a message for you. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. It feels like it's been a while since we chatted. It has been, uh, well, yeah, it's it's been a couple of weeks. We, <laughs> we had need it, we need a break. Well, we had come to the end of the second act of our story, uh, which the, Act One is seasons one and two of the original run of Twin Peaksies. Mm-hmm. Act Two was the dearth of information supplied by both Firewalk with Me, the missing pieces the secret diary of Laura Palmer and the secret history of twin peaks, all of which we covered in the last episode that was just shy of 37 hours long. (laughs) So, and, and there are people who listen to all of that. I have that confirmed, which is bananas. Uh, but also thank you very much folks for, for listening to all of that. Uh, which as I went back through on the edit, um, I thought was surprisingly informational. Yeah, I, I was quite surprised as well. I mean, I'll be honest with you, unlike some of the listeners, I took several listens to get through it. Um, and I went through it, and I, I feel actually immensely proud of that episode. I think we managed to to impart a lot of info, a lot of which will be useful in handling the new season of Twin Peaks. But at the same time, I, I like to think we've got a good balance between in fact, actually, I was going to say a good balance between the, the kind of comedy and that, that we like to inject in these things. But um, I think my biggest takeaway from that was how many people, after hearing us review Firewalk with me, had said that they were either going back to check it out or going to check it out for the first time. Because we imparted a lot of emotion to to how we actually view that movie. So I think that's I think that's the big thing um for me is that like I have been a stalwart champion of that movie for many, many, many years. And if it has taken showtime to pay a lot of money to get David Lynch to direct a TV show which ultimately gets people to reevaluate that movie, then it's all been worth it. Yeah, I I, I agree. I feel uh very glad that we championed that movie as much as we did. I think it's having seen it so recently and probably within it, within the context of course of being so immersed in twin peaks right now um it it stands as one of my favorites of lynch's bodies of work body of work and yeah i'm a little biased because i'm really i'm feeling the twin peaks i got it running through me i got <laughs> chills they're multiplying oh, apparently the songs are just rolling into this one as well uh well so you know music now yeah. So much music, I like it. Um, so yeah, but because of that, I'm sure that I I loved it all the more this time. But it's still, you know, like we said in the last episode, it is still a great horror movie. That movie is disturbing as shit. Um, oh yes, oh yes. Um, I think that's the. I think that's how I. As it's one of those ones where David Lynch movies always kind of fit uncomfortably into one genre. They are, I mean, for all intents purposes, Lynchian. Uh, which is its own genre in itself. I I like to think that that genre leans heavily into horror. Um, I, I think Firewalk with me doesn't just lean heavily into horror. I just think it is horror. I think it's yeah, pretty fucking amazing. Um, I hundred yeah. percent agree with you. Yeah, see, I knew you 
would ball. I knew you would. You're on. You're on. You're on the right side here. The yeah. side of truth, justice, and uh, the lynching way. Yeah, it, it, I'll, and I'll tell you, and what led to us kind of starting the show abruptly, uh, not that the listeners know that, but now they do, um, is that <laughs> as I've been watching the first season, and I, I've been really nibbling at it, I'm not too far ahead of where we are tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, that will change very soon, don't get me wrong. I've just been kind of busy watching movies from a year called 1973, Duncan, and... Um, <laughs> What a fine year it is, as a matter of fact. So, mm-hmm. damn uh, fine, a damn fine <laughs> decade of movies. Um, wait, hang on. This is a damn fine year in horror movies. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, P. Martell is coming out the lot. Anyway, um, no, <laughs> no, we've come too far. Uh, but. Because of all that stuff I was talking about earlier, like seeing Firewalk with me and blah, blah, blah. So as I'm watching this new season, Duncan, I don't feel like people are are constantly saying, like, it'll blow your fucking mind. Like you said yourself, it's going to melt your face off. And uh-huh. I don't have completely that reaction to it. Don't get me wrong. As we will discuss tonight, there are plenty of moments of, like, the fuck? Um, <laughs> plenty of that. But at no point have I ever felt a dissonance with what's happening on screen. Like, I feel like I'm following it in a way that a lot of people may not. How many episodes are you in? Just the first four. Just the first four. Yeah. You okay. maybe like when, when I say that will melt your face off, I'd already watched the first eight. Oh, well, so, <laughs> but I stopped to eight, um, purposely stopped to eight. And, um, yeah, I've, I've I've reset back to to episode one to continue through with it on the journey you're doing. But yeah, when I, when I said that, it's just because we have a, we have a lot of road to toe. Sure. <laughs> um, even like these, like because the first two episodes that we're going to cover, episodes one, two, season three on this show, and episode three and four, um, which will be the next episode. Are ostensibly two feature length episodes of the show that were released as one and two, and then three and four as like extra long episodes. Um, and even then, at that point, I mean, Lynch has said that season three is essentially an 18 hour movie, so that's you know, that's him putting his case out of you know, this is how long it will run. Um, but it's one giant movie, so view it as one giant movie. So even by movie standards, watching the first four episodes, you aren't really at the end of the first act. And I think that's the that's the way I've been approaching my viewing of the new season is Lynch says this is one giant movie, so I need to approach it as one giant movie, which would explain so much of what happens in the first two episodes tonight in terms of uh, you know, reintroduction of characters that we already know, plus info dump of huge amount of characters that we're meeting for the first time. Yeah, and welcome, welcome to the show, Matthew Lillard. Fuck me. I know. Uh, I, do you feel old when you see him now? Considering like he his most iconic role that we all grew up watching was you know Scream or Shaggy or Shaggy. Yeah, I was going to say Scream though. Uh, <laughs> 
Does it not just make you feel old as balls, man? It well, but no more so than seeing anyone else on the show because I mean that every every character you see is twenty five years older, and you can't help but be like, oh my god, like what? Look at what time has done to these people. Um, in in most cases, been pretty kind. Um, <laughs> in in the the case of one deputy motherfucking hawk. Yeah. Oof, Michael Horse holding it down, looking good. Like he's he, aging like a fine wine bowl. He, I mean, he's older. He's got white hair now, but he looks like I felt like he got me pregnant. <laughs> but it turned out I just had a lot of cheese. Yeah, like I was, <laughs> I was looking at it and. Um, like I've just watched the first two episodes again just before we recorded. Um, I was watching. Well, obviously, we're saying some people have aged well, some people maybe less well. Uh, I'm going to say James less well. I'm going to say the actress that plays Sarah Palmer definitely less well. Um, I'm also going to say Andy. <laughs> Andy's grown a bit of a gut. I like the fact that Andy weirder. looks like Andy should in 25 years. Like, that okay, yeah, is, like, that's nothing but mashed potatoes, Duncan. That's, that's the abundance of donuts that they get in yeah. every fucking day. Um, yeah, like, what I quite like about it is no one with the exception of James looks drastically different. They all just look aged. Like, James, to me, looked like a completely different person. Um, yeah, at, at first it was a, a real, huh? And then as soon as he faced camera, like, you can, time can change a lot, Duncan, (laughs) but it can't change the dead stare that comes out of James Hurley. And as soon as he looks... Mexico was not kind. (laughs) No. As soon as he looks at the camera, it was just like, you don't look like Laura. And I was like, oh, you're back, James. Um, it, It felt good. It's, yeah, is that I Shelley think, over there? Hey, Shelley! <laughs> you don't I look like Dora! The, the, the beauty of us, um, on some level, the beauty of us starting up this this run of reviewing episodes so late in the game in the new season, because I think episode 13 is just played, and it's, what, it's a 16 episode? Uh, is it 16 season? or 18? I thought... For some reason, I thought it was 18, but uh, probably 16. But yeah, I, I keep hearing the, the last episode was was something. Yeah, like, we're basically in a position now where, if it is 18, which it might be, actually, because that would make sense, because it finishes in September, uh, which we give three, yeah, probably does, it probably is 18 episodes, which would make sense. 18-hour movie, 18 episodes, that would make sense. Um, if it is 18 episodes, then basically, we are coming in well past the halfway mark now, um, and very much like the original run of Twin Peaks, the reviews are pretty much exactly the same. There are a diehard core that are sticking with the show. A lot of people have abandoned it. Um, a lot of people have abandoned it because, um, to quote James, you don't look like Twin Peaks. <laughs> Twin Peaks. <laughs> And I would argue the exact opposite. I think it feels like the natural evolution. Watching yeah. even the first two episodes, and we'll get into it, you can see 
how Lynch has changed. Um, there, to me, it definitely feels more in line with Mulholland Drive actually than than Twin Peaks and what the the bits we spend in Twin Peaks. You know, you know, he's obviously we're, we're channeling that that Twin Peaksiness that comes back again. But for the most part, the stuff that isn't in set in Twin Peaks or isn't directly dealing with characters that we know um, feels like Mulholland Drive. It feels like the the series of kind of shorts that he did, which would ultimately appear as Mulholland Drive. And I have no problems with that at all. Um, it's, yeah, there's so much to talk about. And, and you know, obviously because it's on Showtime, completely different vibe yeah. when it comes to nudity, violence. <laughs> well, I think much like Mike's arm, it has evolved. <laughs> and... <laughs> They've cleverly... What what I quite like as well is that there are obviously certain actors and actresses who did not want to come back. Um, certain ones who are no longer with us that didn't get the opportunity to to reprise roles. And at the same time, some cast who have actually passed away since filming their scenes in Twin Peaks. What I like in terms of the characters who passed away or who have not come back, they've handled it in a very respectful way. They've just oh, yeah. done things that kind of that fit Twin Peaks, which is kind of easy if you're David Lynch and that your show was so ambiguous and weird at the best of times that you could literally do anything, and um, it's possible. In fact, it's more than possible. It's probably credible. So yeah, it's. I'm looking forward to this side. Like I said before, I get the feeling that people have have taken the goofy journey through those first two seasons with us. The middle point, really us talking about Firewalk with me, kind of reset the tone, which was ultimately everything we saw in season one and two, as goofy as we got, the catalyst for kicking all that off was the tragic end of a life. It was the the final days of Laura Palmer. And I was now kind of crossing the Rubicon uh, and kind of starting season three. There is a reset to it. That's not to say that things are invariably goofy as David Lynch were talking about but there is a there's a different swing going on there's a different kind of swing beat that's carried through into this this particular season and so much stuff to unpack um, that I don't know if there will be there has to be impressions and there has to be the stuff that gets us through the episodes in a sane manner Bo, without like ultimately becoming you know, tinfoil hat wearing Alex Jones replicas to be um, cast into non-existence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's. We, we kind of have to do that, but at the same time, the subject matter is a bit darker this time round. That I get the feeling that a lot of the reviews are going to be a little bit more factually based, um, a lot more on point, and I think a, a greater deal of open to interpretation. We do not have twenty five years of a show, you know, with those episodes under a belt, having seen them several times to start to put our own spin and theories on them. These are very, very fresh and the story hasn't finished. So I get the feeling that people will be getting a raw interpretation of um, what we think is actually going on. And it could be nonsense. It could be gibberish. But then again, it could be scarily on point. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I got this shit on lockdown. Um... Also, Duncan, I think you are vastly underestimating 
my capacity to derail your seriousness. Uh, but yeah. we shall see. And, and, and we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I I look forward to you stepping up your game, but oh, boy, I've, I seen got... mm. I've seen things. I've seen things. Oh yeah, I've seen what warships battling off the rings of Jupiter or whatever. Yeah. Um, News that dropped today to say that that movie will be R-rated. Oh great. <laughs> I sounded a little too enthusiastic. Oh, great! Uh, but yeah. yeah, it should be. I mean, it's a big grown-up sci-fi movie. Like I almost, if it were not uh, Denis Villeneuve, uh, Villeneuve, Denny, buddies, Denny. If it weren't him, if it weren't him in the director's chair, I don't know. I would go to the theaters to see this. Oh, it's got me. It's got me a lot. That like to me, Blade Runner is one of the most iconic movies ever made and for anyone to have, as you would say Bo, the fucking balls on this, for anyone to, to sit down and say, you know, I'm going to helm the next chapter of Blade Runner, regardless mm. the, like, it could have been any director and I'd go and see it at the cinema just because I want to see that, I want to see that movie on the big screen it's just like, I have less apprehension because his name's attached to it it's the only difference in my world is yeah it's... it turns out by the way in the interim while we've been away it turns out like remember when we said you know that that dark tower movie i don't know if i don't know if i'm gonna go and see it at the cinema turns out we may have dodged a bullet there no pun intended yeah that that movie kills not with its hand but with its mind um or its poor <laughs> box office it yeah that it, that's a real bummer uh you know the fact that it it was when the runtime came out it was like this movie's 90 minutes long it's like i don't know how you tell this story in 90 minutes and yeah. uh and it sounds like they, they didn't. didn't know either yeah yes yeah. <laughs> like they didn't either um the, the the things that have come away from it though are idris elba is great in it surprise surprise idris elba is great uh, and Matthew McConaughey is great in it. Surprise, surprise, Matthew McConaughey. Oscar, Oscar winning Matthew McConaughey is good in the movie. Who would have thought it? Right. Who would have thought two great actors would be great in a movie? Um, right. And, it, and like that's when it not hits, the bit you have to worry about. Yeah, when it hits video, I'll I'll watch it for that reason. Yeah, um, I'm the same. I'll, I'll check it out. I will check it out because I'm curious. Um, but, I yeah, the, <laughs> the... 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 the um, the king resurgence to the big screen probably won't happen now until it, uh, which is a movie which will destroy box office records when it comes to horror. Things. And it's a month away, you know, like we're a yeah, month away from far. from yeah. it landing. And I thought the that last trailer they put out looked fucking dope. I thought yeah, that was a great. Trailer that's how you for do that. a horror trailer. Yeah, yeah, that's how you do. That's how they used to do horror trailers. Like, see. We were talking about this recently um, on podcast under the stairs when we were talking about the Omen. Like, see, like the Omen is just like there was a time period where, like, certain in fact this still happens, but there there are certain horror movies that are iconic, and the reason they're iconic is they look effortless. They're just that is that's just how you craft a horror movie, um, and the Omen is one such movie, and that it just feels like the director just made it. You know, just everything happened perfect. Like everything. Every piece slid directly into place, and you know, and they just feel effortless to watch, and they're just amazing. And the trailer for 
for that movie is exactly the same. You watch the trailer for The Omen, and it just feels like the perfect horror trailer. Um, and that's what I got from watching. Like everyone's like, oh, you know, it's like the trailer was amazing. The trailer was amazing. I was like, that. That's just how you used to do trailers. Back I know. I know. It's been a while since we had one. <laughs> Yeah. Which was like a, a great formed trailer, but that just used to be how you would get a trailer. You would get enough information to get you in the door with them spoiling all the scares in it, but at the same time piquing your interest to the point where you're like that, I need to go to the cinema and see that, and it has ticked all the boxes for me. And it will be, I'm, I'm staking the ground, it will be the highest grossing horror movie this year. It will outgross, um, what was the highest one at the moment? I think it's Split. Yeah, it will I, outgross you, Split. That feels right. Or maybe Get Out. And one of the two. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, and I, I think it will outgross Conjuring too as well from last year. I think it will outgross that, even though that movie did like three hundred and odd million US dollars. I think it will surpass that as well. It's going to be the big one this year. It's going to be huge. It's going to be the one where people are like, you know, horror's really overperforming this year. You know, like yeah. our, our like our, our superhero movies and our, our you know our, our summer blockbusters didn't do well, but how is it that horror just keeps getting better and better? Like. <laughs> You know something you don't know. Um, Horse back, baby. Yeah. Uh, oh, just oh man, they all float down here. Do you like, see the way they linked up that with the, the kids saying it with the beat in the background, and Pennywise looks scary as fuck. Yeah. I, when I first saw that costume, I wasn't totally sold on it, but now that I've seen the trailer, I'm I'm totally on board. I think there's a bit where he runs at the camera, and like I, I don't often get like a reaction to watching trailers where I feel like fear. Like I joked, me and uh, the Baz, uh, who is on my show for for listeners, I haven't checked the podcast under the stairs. Uh, we went to see that as above, so below, in the in the cinema, and um, he he doesn't do horror movies much uh, in terms of theater going. We went to see this, and um, the trailer for Pyramid, that awful fucking movie. Uh, oh, that, that is a terrible movie. Yeah. But it came, it came on, and there's a, there was a particularly effective jump scare in the trailer for that movie, and Baz jumped at his chair and shouted, "Oh shit!" Um, and I was like, "I wish I could get like that." And um, you know, like watching a trailer, and when he came running at the screen, <laughs> when Pennywise came running at the screen, I got chills up the back of my fucking neck. I was like, "This is gonna be, this is gonna be scary. This is gonna be legit. This is gonna be a scary movie. This is gonna get me." Um, and I, I can't wait. I cannot wait. And I'm going to see that in a packed cinema because that's how you see that yeah. movie. Uh, absolutely. And and unlike The Dark Tower, which is all fantasy and weird and shit, and, and there's a diehard group of people who love The Dark Tower books, but this movie was never really servicing that. Yeah. So they didn't give a shit. The rest of the public was like, look, I like Stephen King, but I don't know what what the hell's going on in this movie and compared to it which fucking everyone has read and loves and the fact that this looks legit yeah you're uh, you're absolutely right i think if this doesn't if this isn't the highest grossing horror film this year it's underperformed yeah Uh, definitely and and i think we get part two you know I, yeah, I think we'll. Yeah, I don't. I have no doubts in my mind we'll get part two. I think if you are the the film company putting this film out, I think as soon as that first trailer dropped and the internet went wild, if I was them, I'd be already confident um, 
I think this movie will overperform what they originally thought. For how much money they put in, I think it will well, well, it will surpass what their highest estimates think. I genuinely think we could be talking about. I'm you could be talking super, like, yeah, Captain America money for a movie. Yeah, I, th- I think I think yeah. we could be. I think we could be over five hundred million. Um, you know, with ease. <laughs> like, and I, I don't see that lightly. I, I genuinely think it's the perfect storm. It's the, it's the perfect storm of stuff that we've grown up with, stuff that people, even, even like, even kids who've never seen it know that, you know, they, they understand the fear of clowns and all that. It's going to tap into that vein. I, yeah, I can't wait, man. I know it's so off topic to begin with, but, I can't. It's my most anticipated horror movie. That and the new Aronofsky film, like, because that mother trailer fucking melted my face clean. Eh, I, it didn't do much for me. I got to be honest. Oh, I, I love what? Aronofsky. I just didn't think that trailer was particularly good. Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem in the same movie. I, right. That sounds great. That makes me want to see the wait, movie. Wait, Ed, Ed Harris. Ed Harris <laughs> showing Ed up Harris. is always welcome. And Michelle Pfeiffer. Sure. Like. I'm going to see it, Duncan. Don't <laughs> calm down. I just don't think the trailer, I think the trailer gave away a little too much um, because now you know that there's this whole, is this real? Is it not kind of dynamic happening, which I always like discovering in a movie. Yeah, but it's Aronofsky. We don't, like, regard, if that's what shows in the trailer, that doesn't mean that's what you're going to get. I, I, right. I understand. I just, I, I wish I knew less about the movie than the trailer told me. All right. Uh, but you know i mean that's it's the like you said it is the perfect trailer because it gives away almost nothing yeah and and makes me crave to see that movie and then i see the trailer for mother and i think hey that's a movie i wanted to see already and now i feel like i know more than i wanted to about it i just I, yeah i just get the feeling that it's it's going to be that movie's going to pull a 180 on us i, I just i, I, like, so. I remember seeing right. the trailer for black swan and genuinely thinking i had a I, I thought I knew where that movie was going and watched that movie and was dumbfounded at how wrong my expectations had been in the best possible way. Um, and he's a director that, you know, this is his first, quote unquote, this is his first horror movie. And I would argue Requiem for a Dream is a horror movie. It's certainly argue Black, Black Swan. Swan. Yeah. <laughs> Black Swan is a fucking horror movie. And he's saying, no, 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 those aren't horror movies. This is my horror movie. Strap yourself in. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I totally want to see it. I and the the quick shot of Michelle Pfeiffer getting sexy, I was like, uh, yeah, let's do this. That's another uh, another very much like a deputy hawk. It's another one that's aging like a fine wine. Yeah, she. I'm glad she does not appear to have had a ton of work done. Yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. she looks very. She looks like uh like kind of that Anne Bancroft sort of yeah. older lady but it's just like you are hot yeah i got a heart <laughs> michelle pfeiffer <laughs> the, the official the official descriptive term for someone that is uh, michelle pfeiffer um but yeah i, <laughs> I, I can't i can't wait and ed, ed harris just now like ed harris appeared in that trailer and i was just like that westworld <laughs> She's like, like he's been re. I don't know how many times Ed Harris will redefine a villainous role. Um, for me, you know, just it just like seasons like a history of violence onwards. Right. Like, every I, time I see the guy, yeah. I'm like, you're a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You see Ed Harris show show up. 
shit is about to get real in a way that's going to be painful for somebody. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I love Ed Harris. Um, yeah. Great cast. Looks like minimal, minimal cast. Looks like shot in one location. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Like this year for Horror Man has been incredible. And there are so many titles still that come out before the end of this year. Yeah. It's is, is mind blown how much, like, the bar has been set so high now <clears throat> for for horror titles and just the people that are working is there's been a swing it's like the swing went to to tv and the swing is now starting to move back into the more mainstream side of things which is always the way it goes um but it just looks like everyone has an interest and we're getting some exciting projects coming out because of that interest and yes, some of them are, are, are remakes or reimaginings or whatever they want to call them. But then the fact that Darren Aronofsky can just say this year, you know, I'm going to make a horror movie. And it's literally all happened this year. Like, I think towards the end of last year, he was like, that, I'm going to do a horror movie. And then by the beginning of this year, I think we knew Jennifer Lawrence was attached. And now we're almost into September and the movie's coming out. It's, you know what I mean? It's, That's very cool. I, I like exciting. that about it a lot. Very, very, very exciting. And that's, you know, there's, by the Sims of Things, Tarantino's Manson movie is going to be a horror movie. And yeah, I just, like, As opposed to what, a musical? Yeah, well, <laughs> I would I would pay cold hard cash to see uh, a Quentin Tarantino-produced Manson family murders musical. So, yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. And I bet you it was still fucking amazing. <laughs> the guy's got the, the most ridiculous Midas touch ever. Like people are like, he's well, his worst movie is Death Proof. I like Death Proof. So. I do too. I, I honestly, I think his his worst movie. I think I'm his not... worst thing he's done is the segment for Four Rooms, which is basically a rip off of Hitchcock and not a very good one at that. Yeah, but that's not a real movie. That's just a short yeah. film he did for yeah. a goof. Um, I I'm not as crazy about Jackie Brown as some people. Um, Jackie Brown's his best movie in my eyes. I think um, Jackie Brown's the best movie he's yeah. ever done. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't dislike Jackie Brown at all. It's still a great movie, but in the, like, much like his movies being very niche, some yeah. of those niches speak to me much more clearly. And yeah. uh, like something like um, uh, Hateful Eight, and a lot of people were like, well, that doesn't really feel like a great Tarantino movie. I love westerns, and it felt yeah. like a rockin' Tarantino movie to me. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up with a with a, a healthy dose of black exploitation cinema. I still have a huge interest in black exploitation. So the fact that he decided to do, you know, a, essentially a, a kind of black exploitation movie, um, but modernized, and then you're going to star Pam Greer in the central role. Of course, I'm going to be in. You know, I grew up with Foxy and, uh, and Coffee, and, you know, I grew up with all those movies. So, yeah, of course, you and that, I'm in, in like Flynn. Um, I think, yeah. But uh, anything, anything the guy does. Yeah. We are going in so many circles here. I, I know. We're going to we're gonna get to it in a second. <laughs> I, I had a segue in mind. So but but uh, what is your worst Tarantino movie while we're talking What's about What's my least favorite yeah, Tarantino yeah, yeah. movie? Um, that is a... A difficult question. Because um, very much like you, even my worst Tarantino movie doesn't mean that I... The, I think the worst one probably is Death Proof, but I, 
I still think Death Proof is a great movie. I just sure. think the, the only issue with Death Proof is that it feel, I can noticeably notice, notice, I can't say that word. Noticeably. That's the one. Uh, see the seam in the middle of that film where it goes from being like a, like a 70s like grindhouse horror movie to being uh, an action comedy. Yeah, a 70s action comedy. Yeah. There's a, there is a clear, clear split in the middle of that movie where it goes from being horror to action comedy. Mm. And I'm cool with that because yeah. both halves of the movie are fucking great. Um, but yeah, there's a noticeable split there where in all the other movies that he does, he will mix and match different genres and different styles, but it's seamless across the board. You don't see the seams. You just transition into it naturally. Uh, in the case of that one, I think it's maybe because I've seen the longer cut as well. That's how it was released in the UK. Um, was the longer version, which I think has got an extra twenty minutes. Um, so it didn't release it as the one movie, you know, the Grindhouse. Yeah, that's how I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think um, the extra twenty minutes add to because the, the twenty minutes they add are more in the second half than in the first half of the movie. So it, it feels like there's a lot more dialogue and stuff with the the, the new group of girls, like Zoe Ball and stuff like that. Um, that is Zoe Ball, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the one yeah, hanging on the uh, hood for half the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's um, there's a lot more dialogue and build up to that part in the second half, which is where I think they added all the, the additional stuff in. So it does feel like two different movies. Um, but the, in the shorter Grindhouse version, there you can still feel the split there, but you're not spending too much time before you're getting back into the action again. Um, so yeah, that's probably my least favourite. Um, but I still, I still think it's fucking great. Sure. Um, all right. I to order them. Oh, let's order them both. Let's order them. Yeah. Hey, let, so... let, all right. For, fuck all this Twin Peaks <laughs> right. shit. Let's get to our Tarantino cast. Um, <laughs> right. Right. So. Uh, so all right. Before uh, we jump into Twin Peaks, Duncan. Yeah. Uh, not oh. that we haven't derailed this enough already. We are going to briefly touch upon uh, what we have seen recently that has us all uh, fired up and excited and whatnot. So, Duncan, hit me. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go TV again. I've not had much of a chance to watch many movies out with what I'm covering for a podcast under the stairs, which is essentially 100 movies. All right, talk about all uh, those. <laughs> uh Turns out a lot of them are really good, but turns out Jaws is a really good movie. <laughs> Jaws is a great movie, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it turns out Jaws is really good. The Exorcist is really good. The Omen's really good. Alien's a great movie. Um, <laughs> Have you seen a little movie called uh, Legend of Hell House, Duncan? Yeah, I, I actually watched it this week in prep for me and you. Me and you. We'll, we'll talk about it, but that, that movie is <laughs> fucking great. Anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so instead of doing that, I'll go back to my, my TV that I like to talk about. Um, I started a particular show that you'd posted about a couple of weeks ago, saying this looks really good. HBO's doing an anthology show. This will be pretty cool. So I checked out Room 104. Uh, so I've seen the first two episodes. Fucking love it. Yeah, I've only seen the it. first. Um, but yeah. Oh, the second one's better. Okay. Episode 2 is amazing. All right. So episode 2 has James Vanderbeek in it. All right. And the the dude from Hot Tub Time Machine, the young the young guy, the young one at the okay. phone, or I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, so he's in it. He doesn't look like he's aged at all. So I'm assuming he's a vampire. And he shows up to deliver pizza to James Vanderbeek and his. We imagine it's his wife. Uh, um, and we appear to come in at a bit of a time of friction. Uh, uh, and Vanderbeek is like, oh, I don't have any money for you. I'll need to go and get money, and he leaves. 
leaves him in the room with his wife, who starts flirting with him, and that is all I'll tell you. Okay. Um, the, the description of the episode is that the pizza man gets caught in a weird power play, um, and it's fucking glorious. Like, it finished, I was like, and it's the Duplass yeah. brothers yeah, that have yeah, done yeah. it. So, and I mean, the, the like, official work of this Creep 2 is finished, and it's out this year, so... Oh, um, Duncan! I know, Martin Duplass <laughs> reprising the role, so I know I'm so fucking excited. That's what I mean when I said this year is just like Every announcement that I hear of something that's coming out this year just literally gives me an erection. Um, so I'm kind of like, I've, I've, the blood loss to my brain is quite significant at this stage. But um, yeah, the, the way that show's going, Room 104, just has me excited across the board because I think, like, I've seen the first one. The first one was a, a fairly dark, it's comical but dark story. The second one leans heavily into the comedy side of things and the more kind of surreal and absurd, which I think is great as well. And um, the next episode, episode three, I think maybe covers an exorcism, potentially, like in the room. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel excited to watch them. And the fact that they're 25 minutes an episode, you know, that's that's a, that's a call I want to take, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Nice short, don't have to pay too much attention to, don't have to be super invested with any of the characters because we're not going to spend too much time with them. Get in, tell your story, get out. Um, yeah, perfect. What about yourself? What have you been checking? Uh, well, Duncan, I ran a little poll yesterday. Uh, yeah, wait, I, read, I... I read this in the morning and just like switched off. Did not want to partake. <laughs> and you're, you're tagging me in a comment, trying to blame, like, oh, well... Duncan can blame the, the listeners for picking this movie. No, 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 that's you using escapism, using the listeners as a shield. Would you give me two seconds, please, Fucking to defend my... I, I'm not accusing you of anything. Um, but no, so I ran a poll because uh, I was going to double feature some stuff. And yes, the first part of the poll was a dumb movie called Flying Monkeys, which was notable because uh, Micah Monroe from It Follows starred in that film. Um. So there. Um. That's all I'll say about it. I mean, it's it's a it's a dumb movie about fucking shape shifting demon monkeys. But I kind of was in the mood for that. And uh. But what I really wanted to mention seriously is the other movie uh, I watched was The Hidden, starring uh Twin Peaks veterans, uh Kyle MacLachlan and uh Chris Mulkey, uh who plays Hank. Hey everyone, I'm a bank robber. <laughs> um and no, I've never seen that movie. Have you not? Okay, so no. it had been years and years since uh I'd seen it and it is it is undeniably dated because it you know came out uh, what like mid 80s, early 80s. Um and uh Kyle McLaughlin looks like a baby in it. And, uh, but yeah, it's aside from the fact that it's a movie very much of the eighties, um, and, and, and steeped in some of that cultural shit, it's a fantastic movie. And I, when I, when I watched it the first time, I, I did react to it real well. And I realize now it's because of the ending not being completely satisfying, but it's, not sat it's unsatisfying in a way that I just didn't appreciate at the time, but as an adult, when I watched it, I was like, Oh, that's a really nice move. 
And uh, so as a more discriminating film viewer, Duncan, I enjoyed The Hidden much more second time around. And I highly recommend it. You ought to watch it, not just because uh, Kyle MacLachlan features in it and he is great in it, uh, but it's just a really good movie. It's a good sci-fi horror movie. And 100%, if you've never seen The Hidden, watch The Hidden. It's fantastic. I will do. I will do. I will not watch Flying Monkeys. Oh, no, nor should you. And I mean, it, yeah, it's it's a real bad dumb movie. But like, see when you put a poll up, like now let me vent here, right? See when you put a poll up where you deliberately pick a bad movie, people will vote for the bad movie. I That's know. how people are. People are dicks. Yeah. No, I knew leaving it up to the internet. It it like it's the same. It's a William Castle move, Duncan. It's the same <laughs> thing he did with uh, geez, what was it? Um. What's the movie about the mad professor that Castle did? The Tangler? No, where the, the villain was the professor. Anyway, I don't remember. But there was the gimmick of the movie was that people had a paddle that had like a thumbs up or thumbs down. And you got to, as the oh, audience, yeah. you got to vote on the fate of uh, Mr. Sardonicus was the movie. And um, they never shot the positive ending. Because yeah, no audience in the world, yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> nobody wanted to see the villain live. So, yeah, I mean, when I put Flying Monkeys on that poll, I knew people were going to pick Flying Monkeys. Uh, but it was still kind of fun to do it. And so there. So I, I I was knowingly putting myself in a position where I could defend a choice that is clearly indefensible. Oh, I know exactly what you were doing. <laughs> I could see you right through it. When I woke up this morning, I was like, why have I got like seventy-five notifications? Oh look, Bo's put up a poll. Oh, what's he tagged me in here? Um, oh, Duncan can blame the voters. Oh, and I, was, I scrolled up and as soon as I was like that, yeah, of course she did, Bo. <laughs> of course she did. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but in fairness, like I did watch a substantive, really good movie. After I just uh, I just I wanted to have a little fun with flying monkeys. It's um, like saying I want the I want the prime rib as my main course, uh, but I'll have the shit salad as a starter. <laughs> no, it's more like I'll have a, I'll have some chicken McNuggets and then a fillet. <laughs> but sometimes chicken McNuggets are delicious. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't ask you to understand. Uh, I, I I don't mind the occasional bad movie. I just don't have the same appetite, voracious appetite. For terrible movies when I know there are so many good movies out there still to watch. Sure. And it, and in fairness, it's been a while. Like I've been I've been pretty good lately, but I you just have been really good. I, yeah. I've been I not as a reward to myself or anything, because it's not pleasant necessarily. <laughs> uh it's just kind of funny. And uh I, but I've been watching a lot of great movies, but I, I would just every now and again you want to watch bad movies. So mm-hmm. um, well, I, I, I I understand where you are coming from. <laughs> emphasis on you <laughs> well it's the palate cleanser you know it's the thing of like oh well that's not how you make a movie and then you go back to you know mm-hmm. the legend of hell david House. Lynch. yeah or david lynch uh david speaking lynch. of david lynch let's all right <laughs> no one last pit stop and then, and then i swear to god we're going to talk about episodes one and two the other pit stop game of thrones obviously we've been doing a little piece about that i will just say uh i thought the last episode was great um mm-hmm. I, I think you're underselling it. <laughs> I thought 
was like fucking in. Well, uh, was it the greatest episode ever in terms of like moving the story along? Probably not. Did it give us what we've been wanting in that show for the best part of five seasons? Yes. And it gave us it on a scale which felt fucking huge. There are movies that don't have battle sequences like that. Like movies that cost millions, hundreds of millions, that do not have battle sequences like that. It was it, it blew my mind how much he jumped into essentially 20 minutes. I'll tell you though, my, my problem with the episode was that all of that was awesome and it felt like we should have lost somebody in that situation. I, yeah, I felt like... Yeah. I felt like there were a couple of real easy, like, oh, I was behind the tree, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. And, eh, all right, fine. Yeah, like, they, they, can't, they can't get rid of Jamie Lannister. I know, but I felt um, like it should have been Braun. Yeah, he should have He should have went. Yeah. I, I agree with you 100%. His character should not have existed beyond um, what should have happened is he should have shot that, the, the, the spear, it should have hit the dry, and the dragon should have killed him anyway. Right, and it would have been a nice like uh, capper on his character because he's always been a uh, a bit of a sell sword uh, on the show. Yeah, and there's exactly. one they point set up that way. Yeah, the, he up- the whole thing. I thought he was gone because they set up with you know like he was only in it for the gold. The fact that he saw the gold drop, but he still made a move. You know, like like all that you do. That if you're yeah, it feels like a misstep because like in terms of storytelling, that's the payoff to that character. Especially in Game of Thrones. This is the first time I've ever seen them show restraint and not killing off a character. Maybe they're saving it all up and we're just going to have a red wedding kind of shit. I'm kind of hoping. I'm kind of hoping. Although the body count was just, like, see that first initial spray of frames from the sky that just wiped out an entire... I was just like, oh, strap yourself in. (laughs) I said, like, see if we saw the dragon come over in the air. I actually, like, my wife... Like burst out laughing because we were watching it, and I was like, "Oh, well, is it a come up with that?" I jumped up, jumped <laughs> off the couch, jumped like literally in that, like jumped off the couch, and I was like, "Fucking dragons!" Yeah, you're like <laughs> grammar. Corinne, do you see it? I was honestly, man, <laughs> so excited, so excited, um, and that's how that show knows they've got me forever for life yeah. is the fact that they can do that, and I, I behave like two-year-old that's just been given the keys to an ice cream parlor um <laughs> that's how they know they've got me yeah the when jamie looked over and the dude who had been like pompeii like turned to instant ash, ash. <laughs> starts to flake away and i was like fuck game of thrones you do me so good that's how you do it that's yeah. that's how ladies and gents that is how you do it um but I'll tell you who does not give a fuck about that. David Lynch. All right, let's get into this, Duncan. David Lynch doesn't need dragons. Uh, uh, David Lynch does not give a shit about your dragons. Um, he's got his own monsters uh, in store for you. And they are of the uh, less of the winged variety than the existential and, and somewhat... Well, I don't know. There's pretty good gore in this as well so um <laughs> yeah <laughs> faces may actually literally come off i know i said to you your face would melt off when you watched them but i think <laughs> characters actually lose their face off. you know i mean arms spin back face comes off laura yep. palmer has it all um yeah so folks we are finally doing it this is 
episodes one and two uh, taken as a whole, uh, as a feature, as they were, as as God and and David Lynch intended. Um, <laughs> this is, of course, written by David Lynch and Mark Frost. Hey, boys! As are every single episode, so like we will not need to worry about repeating. I uh, will uh, updating that every single episode is written by David Lynch, Mark Frost, and every single episode of this season is directed by the great man himself, David Lynch. One David Lynch. Uh, So, let's just get right to it, Duncan. (laughs) The show begins. Uh, And, oh man, welcome fucking back, Twin Peaks. uh, (laughs) Even though we just watched seasons one and two, like, seeing this, seeing the opening images of this just it it felt so good because it opens with a flashback to the original series and it is uh laura palmer and agent cooper in the red room and it's the her saying uh you know uh we'll see i'll see you again in 25 years and you know meanwhile and then we fade out duncan yes and then we have some kind of ominous music playing. And we see a, a flashback of uh, the girl who uh, is running across, you know, the school campus in the first episode um, and into the, the hallways uh, of, of the Twin Peaks High School. We see the, uh, the photograph, the famous photograph of Homecoming Queen. You want to fuck the homecoming queen? Oh, God. Just so sad. Um, <laughs> still gets me, man. Like, I, I've thought about that line so much and how horrifyingly sad that is. Uh, yeah. But anyway, we see the picture of her as the homecoming queen in the trophy case of the high school. And then, Duncan, we we cruise out uh, into the opening credits and hear yeah. the familiar strains of Julie Cruz's falling plane. Uh, as we get new images, you know, there's some some old reliable, some oldies but goodies, but it it feels fancier, Duncan. It's a little bit more uh, on the expensive tip. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've got that Showtime money, yo. Uh, speaking of, I just recently, I thought it was funny that Showtime basically said like, yeah, hey, if David Lynch wants to do another season of this, we're totally good with that. Because uh, apparently, even though the the ratings have not been stellar, the subscriptions, which is what Showtime g- gives a shit about, yeah. have increased fairly dramatically. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're totally on board. And they're like, yeah, David Lynch. <laughs> I'm in France. I'll worry about <laughs> it later. Lynch, Lynch has signaled his interest. He signaled his interest about three weeks ago to potentially carry things forward and Kyle McLaughlin in an interview had signaled his interest to carry things forward which kicked up a warning flare for me Bo because I'm like that if you're saying that does that mean that we're not getting a definitive end I you know that's the thing maybe, maybe it's an end of sorts yeah, and and but maybe it's just man what if it just ends with how's Annie I mean, all oh, over I again. Could, I could fucking, like, I would not put it past David Lynch to do that. I would not put it past him at all. Showtime's, lo- like, Showtime's loving this 
regardless, because you like you said, how do you think Dexter ended up on Showtime for like eight fucking seasons, even though ratings were dropping from about season five onwards? Is because it still the subscription numbers were were high for Showtime, you know, really high for Showtime uh, um, for what they do, which is only a couple of million. Um, but yeah, like regardless, like, I've said it before, even if the show critically it's still very highly regarded like much more than what it was the first time around and that's because david lynch is just there are a lot of people that i think legitimately enjoy david lynch work i think there's a lot of people that just claim to enjoy david lynch work because it gives them a bit of cred as a critic and it's the same way like a lot of people claim that like Werner herzog movies when they don't Um, and it's fashionable to say that um so yeah Showtime, like, Showtime should just, like, anything David Lynch wants to do, give him fucking money, because it's David Lynch. David, a director like David Lynch shouldn't be not working. Those guys should always be working. Yeah, you know so, what I mean? somebody should be giving him money to make whatever it is he wants to make. Anything. Be, Even if yeah. it's, like, a, another, another series of paintings. Uh, um, if I was like, someone give him money to let him do that, I, I don't care. Just, like, keep this guy going because these are the unique voices and the unique voices need to be heard there's plenty of there's plenty of vanilla out there bro you know what i mean yeah no this ain't no vanilla duncan this thing's got a rubber (laughs) ball strapped in its mouth (laughs) it's got one of them butt plugs in this thing is kinky um Question time, Duncan. Oh, oh, already? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard Glenn Schmidt asks us, can we agree to call it Twin Peaks TNG, uh, parenthetically, the next generation? Um, no. I, <laughs> so I love you, Richard. I love you, Bess, but no. I, I vote uh, we just go Twin Peaksies, the returnsies. That just makes the most sense to me. Thematically. That's the greatest thing ever. Yep. Sold. Seconded. All right. Carried. <laughs> um, so Duncan, next scene out of the credits, we are in black and white because uh, we're being both artsy and fartsy at the moment. And it's David Lynch. David Lynch loves some black and white. Loves his black and white. Interestingly, uh, as we came into the show, Duncan, we come along the floor of the Black Lodge. Yeah. However, Did you get a little bit excited. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> uh, everything about this just blows my mind uh and like not not in the sense like like i said earlier i'm following it but it's just like i can't believe he was allowed to do this and it's amazing um so (laughs) there's a lot of that in in even these first couple of episodes of like i don't know if they even read the script but yeah god bless them so um the floor is not the floor of the Black Lodge. It's a little scuffier and weird. It's like it's a little mussier in this black and white version. Interestingly, the giant, not credited as, as the giant in this episode, but is instead yeah. a series of question marks, leading me to yes. believe that this first this first scene is not actually in the Black Lodge, Duncan. I don't think it is either it would explain why he disappears right after it. it's like he's been pulled from the black lodge somewhere else and and what the giant says to him is uh it is in our house 
Yes. And Agent Cooper says, it is? <laughs> he doesn't say it like that. Um, <laughs> and the giant, uh, speaking as the show, says, it cannot all be said aloud now. Uh, but eventually, whatever. So, but he gives him three things he has to remember. Four thirty, the number four thirty. Uh, Richard and Linda. Linda, yeah. And two birds, one stone. Stone, yeah. And Agent Cooper, uh, embarrassing the rest of us, but you know he's super sleuth. Agent Cooper uh, says, "I understand," and we're like, "You're no, you don't." But that's no. This is what they doing Twin Peaks when someone says something cryptic. This is like, this is what you call it all over again. This is uh, Major Briggs and the Log Lady. Yeah. Remember? When, yeah. Like, this is the, they just, there's a weird, yeah, I love it. <laughs> this is David Lynch saying, you don't need to know anything just now, and I don't need, I don't have the time to explain it, so they just right. understand. And so, and after the giant gives him this message, he says, you are far away, and then Agent Cooper uh, kind of blinks out of this place. Mm-hmm. And also, important to note, there is a record player, like an old-timey gramophone, uh, yes. playing, like, just c- clicks and pops. So, yeah. So that's what happens there. Any questions? No. I think um, this is a weird opening, but... Yeah, I'm on board. Okay, so we don't know where Agent Cooper was. Clear, I, you and I, I, I think agree. Not the Black Lodge, somewhere else. Maybe the White yep. Lodge. Maybe somewhere other. We don't know. So uh-huh. uh, then we cut to uh, the the woods of <laughs> uh, of Twin Peaks, where we find, uh, as we learned when we discussed the secret history of Twin Peaks uh, in the previous uh, episode. Um, Dr. Jacoby not practicing medicine anymore. No, his license has been taken off him. Uh, he is instead living out in the woods in a trailer and, uh, is getting apparently semi-regular deliveries. Uh, in this case, he is getting, uh, deliveries of shovels. <laughs> yep. And man, I'll tell you another one of those like heartwarming, like welcome back Twin Peaks moments when you see Dr. Jacoby exit the trailer and he's got the glasses on and he takes those off. That's just the greatest thing. And the polarizing glasses are on beneath it. And it's like, Oh, Dr. Jacoby, just as nutty (laughs) as ever. And uh, so, yeah. So um, interestingly, Dr. Jacoby is receiving all these shovels and uh, the guy delivering is like, hey, do you need a hand with any of this? Or do you need some help out here or something? And he's like, nope, I got it. Don't worry about it. So clearly Dr. Jacoby is up to some, uh, some what do you call it? Didgeridoo? Chicanery? Dickery do? <laughs> Didgeridoo. Didgeridoo, as in the instrument the Australians play. Whatever. Like, what, a, what do you call it? Niggledy uh, um... piggledy. Jiggery pokery, that's what it is. Jiggery pokery. Jiggery pokery, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that. Uh anyway. So Duncan. <laughs> yes. We leave Dr. Jacoby. We do, because like this is what this first episode is gonna do. 
a series of longer sequences, but for the most part, quick stops off just to, hi, remember this person, oh, look at this person, hi, meet this person. This is how we roll, and I'm liking it. Yeah, it's it's kind of a nice blend of the stuff you're familiar with and introducing you to these new other things. Like, this is a larger story now. And so we, we shift to New York City at night, Duncan. Mm-hmm. And we... Did you get a bit of a shock at that? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, there there's something claustrophobic. Even though in Fire Walk with me, we you know, moved outside, uh, to, you know, South Dakota and Oregon (laughs) Oregon. Uh, and, and that kind of thing. But it still felt very contained because most of the film still is in Twin Peaks. And Mm -hmm. honestly, very little of the first couple of episodes is in Twin Peaks. Yeah. It's, it's kind of all over the place and, and we'll get to, uh, Doppel Cooper in a minute and, um, his (laughs) Doppel Cooper. Oh, Double Cooper is my favorite. Uh, so it's the fucking greatest thing ever, isn't it? <laughs> so good, man. Oh, <laughs> I was also going to say like noticeable things straight off the bat with the show. Lack of score. Yeah, yeah, very no score not really in, at all. Not entirely without like again the introdu- the introduction of Doppel Cooper is. Yeah set to an awesome score yeah oh man that fucking scene oh we'll get to it all right um (laughs) so but yeah 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 so but it's largely very quiet and in this case it's you just hear this kind of hum Mm. and and you pull like you're in a tube and you're pulling back and you realize that you're in this kind of large cavernous almost warehouse like space but it's up in a building like it's high off the ground um and there is a glass box affixed to the wall that has this open tube that we started in leading to the outside and then we realize there's just a dude sitting on a couch like the old maxell ads um watching the case and then he gets a little notice and he goes in and removes a memory card from one of several cameras that are trained on this glass box and he puts a new memory card in he takes the old memory card to this giant safe where he carefully labels it and puts it uh in this safe where there are hundreds of others like it and then he goes back to his uh, his sofa, and he stares at the box. So yep. uh, anyway, and is in, finally interrupted by a buzzer because uh, young Tracy has uh, has come to visit with some coffee, and uh, the security guard who looks like one of the most David Lynch characters you ever saw. Uh, I'd say played by Michael Bisping, who is an MMA fighter in the UFC. All right. And he is this big, brutish dude who doesn't really say anything. He just kind of stares and guards, you know, whatever this is behind giant vault-like doors and shit. Mm -hmm. And so Tracy, though, is kind of into, what's his name, Jake or something? 
Dan. Something white, like that. White guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> random white guy. Skinny white dude. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, hey, I brought you some coffee. Do you want to do it, maybe? And he's like, um, look, I'm kind of busy. And also, he won't let you inside. So I'm just going to take this coffee and, uh, you know, I'll stop by and see you maybe later. And she's like, oh, well, maybe I'll come back tomorrow night. And he's like, okay, well, I got to get back to uh, staring at this empty glass box uh, that has cameras mysteriously focused upon it. And clearly nothing will happen that could negatively impact me in any possible way in this environment. Everything is safe. This is a safe place. Well, a safe place. I mean, unlike unlike Brad Pitt, we can see what's in the box. We we can indeed. Uh, and it's nothing. Nothing's in the box. Nothing's in the box. It's an empty box. What's in the box? Nothing. Yeah, he's just staring at an empty box, presumably for money. Yeah. Um, so yeah lucky bugger i would love that job uh so let's leave them there yep <laughs> uh because tracy fucks off and and random white dude goes back in clearly not coffee that, that right. coffee looks good as well it looks once again like a coffee and i'm like that but yeah we're back in twin peaks yeah well the show that is yeah there has to be coffee there has to be coffee being consumed for me to feel at ease watching this show uh yeah, and I guess this is our first coffee consumption on the new Twin Peaks. As indeed, yeah. Worthy of celebration. Um mm-hmm. speaking of celebrating, I'll tell you who knows how to party. Oh, who knows how to party? Though? Jerry Horn Duncan. <laughs> so we move back to Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where Ashley Judd has become Ben Horn's secretary. Ashley Judd is agent well as well by the way oh sure yeah she's beautiful um yeah so she rolls in and uh they're they're kind of chit-chatting about a skunk incident in the great northern so apparently of course they are (laughs) (laughs) yeah apparently things are not that different and honestly this is one of those scenes where it, it felt like oh okay well this is twin peaks i mean this feels like the perfect fusion of firewalk with me and twin peaks to me there's yeah, still agreed. a lot of goofiness, but there's a much darker tone underneath it all. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, so what we learn is that uh, Ben Horn is still in charge of the Great Northern. Um, Jerry has shifted away from real estate and is into growing medical marijuana. Yep. Uh, and particularly with uh, with edibles. And yes. uh, he is high on his own supply, Duncan. But business has never been better. You know, He's but tripled the revenue. Again, one of those things that I love about it, where it's like, oh well, for sure. In today, like in modern day Twin Peaks, they would be growing weed around there. And mm-hmm. why would why wouldn't Brother Jerry be the guy in charge of it? Well, this it's, is the thing. Jerry was the one that was. Had the munchies the forever. Yeah, the, the you know the the risk taker, the traveler, the he was the one that was scoping out future enterprises. So it totally makes sense you go that way. Although I will say, Jerry not aging as well as 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 Ben. Ben looks like he's aging quite well. 
Jerry looks like a gnome from a garden. Jerry looks <laughs> like he has been living in the woods. He comes he comes in though, he's like, ooh, a sorry sweet treat. <laughs> yeah. <like> <laughs> I also like the fact that Jerry is like, so you're going to fuck Ashley Judd? And uh, he, he says that, he says, um, is, is, is that the new girl? And he was like, that, oh, I women, I suppose we have to call her a woman now. Well, yeah, because you're a creepy old man, dude. Right. And, you know, in and, and fairness, Ben Horn, still being the good guy as we left him, is uh, is like, hey, I'm, you know, no, she's married. And no, I'm not doing that. Uh, so anyway, just a little, Hey, remember Ben and Jerry, they're still here and they're kind of doing weird stuff and that's fun. So we'll get back to them. Um, <laughs> then we have to, uh, shoot over to the twin peaks, uh, sheriff station. Yeah. And, uh, there someone enters looking for Sheriff Truman, which, um, in very Lucy fashion, yep. Lucy explains that, uh, sh- which Sheriff Truman do you mean? And, you know, setting up the fact that we don't have Harry S. Truman in this. Yeah, uh, he didn't come back to do the show. Yeah, uh, which is unfortunate, but she mentions, uh, you know, hey, there's another Sheriff Truman. One is fishing and one is, uh, where was the other one? One is... Uh, uh, one is in the hospital. That's right. And one is fishing. So the one that's in the hospital is Harry Truman. Yeah. And... Um, Frank Truman, who we don't meet uh, in these two episodes. No, yeah, we haven't met him in this one. However, once again, if the ladies and gentlemen out there had read the secret history of Twin Peaks, you will be aware of Frank Truman. He's mentioned at least two or three uh, segments within that book as being the brother, older brother of Harry H. Truman. Yes. And uh, so... We're, we're setting that up and it's Lucy being confusing. Also coming <laughs> off of the great Northern, it's just another dumb twin peaks gag. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of fun. Again, one of those things of like, ah, twin peaks. You're, you're so charming because like David Lynch's sense of humor is a bazooka Joe rapper. Yeah. He finds dumb shit real funny. And this is another one of those scenes, but then Duncan, <laughs> so the fucking balls uh, <laughs> the uh, fucking balls on this guy bro. the th- fucking balls not just Cooper. this fucking scene was one of those moments of like the alright let's fucking do this David Lynch you're not screwing around yeah, so, like, K- Kyle McLaughlin said before doing Oh, when he was doing the press junket before coming back to the show, that he had thoroughly loved, you know, not just coming back, but because you know he was a bit lukewarm about doing firewalk with me, but thoroughly loved coming back into this world and all the rest and what they had carved out for him in Twin Peaks. And when you meet Double Cooper, you suddenly realise exactly what he meant. You know, in the fucking time of his life, this character is. Probably the single greatest thing that's happened in Twin Peaks. <laughs> this is a fucking bitch. It, I mean, that's that's rarefied air. There's some awesome characters on this show, but yeah, Doppel Cooper is man. He is climbing the charts with a bullet, uh, yeah. almost literally. Uh, more <laughs> like he's climbing the charts with a face smoosh. Um, 
<laughs> just a thing that happens. So anyway, Doppelkooper is introduced by this gnarly version of American woman. Yeah. And he's powering down uh, a nighttime road through the woods. Again, very Twin Peaks, only lit by the headlights and, and only carving out a cone of vision through the darkness as this industrial beat plays. Ugh. All right, so that's when I was tumescent. And <laughs> then Doppelkooper rolls out of his car and starts strolling up to this, like, tin shack in the middle of nowhere. Uh, un Well, not unbeknownst, very beknownst to Doppelkooper, there is a dude uh, standing guard outside with a shotgun that it almost looks like he's going to roll past for a second. And then he just nabs this thing, uh, the the shotgun, and just punches this dude the fuck out. Yeah, leaves him out. Yeah. And then strolls up into the cabin. Uh, not cabin, but, you know, like I said, a tin shack, not tin roof. The walls are tin. There is no running water in this joint. <laughs> this is a squat house. And... True to a squat house's reputation, there is a very drunk dude with an old-timey mustache in yeah, a chair. from a jam jar. <laughs> right? Most Drink... likely moonshine. Something made there, on the premises. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, no fucking cosmopolitan. This is like some serious DIY shit. This is a place people go to die. And <laughs> I love like he's sitting in that chair and then you're like that. This is a bit this is a bit weird. And then the camera pans around to someone who looks pretty heavily handicapped in a in a wheelchair and then someone who looks like a pinhead has pinched him. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah essentially. This is fucking yeah. Todd Browning's freaks. Yeah. Because then intros Beulah. Yeah, Beulah's uh, a, a interesting. She's a woman of character. Who knows what is going on with Beulah and, and what's happening in this house. <laughs> All we know for sure is that Double Cooper is like, I want Darla and uh, what's the other Ray. dude's name? Ray. Ray. Ray and Darla. Where, where are they? And, uh, but just before he does that, though, the guy comes walking back in with the shotgun. Uh, it comes up to him and he goes, to, he stands here and it looks like he's going to hit Cooper. And Cooper just like flicks his hand and smacks the bottom of the shotgun, which then knocks the guy out again. And he says to Darla, you need to get better. You need to get, um, someone better on the door. Well, and <laughs> lest we forget, he's got crazy Bob strength. Like, Doppelkooper is the physical embodiment of Bob at this point. Yeah. Yeah, but this is Bob's... Yeah, yeah. this is essentially the, the, the vehicle that Bob has chosen. This is like, We found out this information late in the game, um, mostly through Firewalk with me, uh, and the very end, the Twin Peaks, is that it doesn't look like Bob actually inhabits a body, so to speak. I think he can, but in most cases, what he does is they create like a duplicate of yourself retaining one in the Black Lodge so he can do what he wants outside 
Um, and in the case, the vehicle he's chosen is the the, the, the Doppel Cooper, um, who looks like the love child of Agent Cooper and Deputy Hawk. Very much so. Um, also, like any roadie for uh, the Guess Who. <laughs> um it's i mean it's just amazing and uh so yeah and and at one point otis who is the drunk in the chair doesn't he even say like don't take them and i'm sorry if i'm boring you duncan um (laughs) were you yawning (laughs) no (laughs) it's like Oh, I thought you were yawn. That was your uh huh, like you were in the middle of a yawn. Sorry, no, I, gave I was you, doing. I went uh huh. <laughs> I gave you inappropriate shit. I apologize. So how dare you? It's only one o'clock in the morning. It's too early to yawn. Fair enough. So, uh, Otis is like, "Don't take them," and Doppel Cooper is just like, "See you around, Otis," and yeah. takes Ray and Darla with him into you know presumably to his car and somewhere off into some shady shit and yeah. and that's it but it is it is such an unnerving scene like it, it, again Todd Browning's freaks of having these people who are deformed or you know physically handicapped or mentally handicapped potentially and I mean it's just like the reality of that in this room and Doppel Cooper just hanging out like look I've been here before and when I walk in I own this joint but yeah. also, it's a total shithole. So, yeah. that's just the crowd that Doppel Cooper runs with. <laughs> you know, <laughs> pinheads He's... and alcoholics. And there's, there's something, like, unnerving about the, like, already by this part, the pre- periods of prolonged silence between characters. Um, and it's a, it's a motif that's used quite a lot. And, and, particular these first two episodes but when he walks in and sits down and looks at Otis, no dialogue for an uncomfortable amount of time before he says that he wants to talk to whoever that woman's name is who's Beulah she's, yeah Beulah, you know uncomfortable amount of silence but I, I think that adds to the tension because you're watching this and you just, this scene's already uncomfortable and there's an uncomfortable silence as well which just adds to it yeah. um, and it just like this is what I'm talking about, about like lunch and technique. You know, lunch is just it's a different level. It's like this is not this. You don't see telly like this, Paul. You don't sit down and watch TV programs like this. It just doesn't happen, and that's what makes it infinitely different than anything else you watch. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a television show to me. I mean, again, we've talked about it. he shot it as an 18-hour movie. Uh, by the way, confirmed 18 hours. Um, yes, the. Yeah, so, I mean, yes, it's episodic, but it just doesn't feel like a TV show, and I don't mean like it should be a movie. I mean, it just doesn't feel like anything else I've ever seen. Yeah, it's kind of resetting the balance again. Well, we talked about the impact of the original run of Twin Peaks and how that shaped television. It's like David Lynch has come back. He's come back, but he's he's found a different way of doing things again. It just doesn't feel... I think that's... I think that's what maybe in nerves as well is he's just using techniques that he does in his movies like really really well that way where David Lynch can unnerve you and fuck all's happening in the scene um, and he's just doing that again but this 
Cooper character is you look at him like the kind of leathery sort of very suntan skin, the the very long black bob esque hair, kind of you know this, this long kind of mullet style haircut that he's got running with as well. And the way he dresses and all the rest, and you know that for the last 25 years, this guy is just continually fucked with things. This guy is, you know, has been on a path of evil for 25 years. Um, and we are, we are essentially coming in towards the end of that path of evil. Or are we, Bo? Well, we'll get to that, Duncan. Because it's time we go back to New York City and our big glass box. Yeah, what's in the what's in the box, boy? What's in the box? <laughs> um, so white dude uh, gets the buzz. I should have looked up his name, and I didn't because I'm a terrible host. That uh, scene, that scene in seven would have no impact on Morgan Freeman was holding the glass box. Right. <laughs> John Doe has the upper hand. No, he doesn't. I can see right through that. It's. <laughs> Stand down, stand down. Uh, (laughs) But, all right, so, but we get a buzz from Tracy, our amorous coffee delivery girl, I guess. Mm, Yeah. And she uh, hits the buzzer. White dude rolls out to, like, opens the vault door. And, um... She's like, hey, the guard slipped away for a second. Um, can I come inside for a second? And he's like, well, how are you going to get out? And she's like, how about we worry about that later? And he's like, I see where this is headed and come on <laughs> Good in. Answer. Yep. Good answer. Good <laughs> answer. So she comes in and we finally get the story on kind of what's going on in this room. Mm-hmm. In as much as we can. It, it Basically, he, he tells Tracy that he is working for some like anonymous billionaire who has hired him to sit in this room and stare at this box and change out the, the, uh, the digital cards, uh, when they run out of room and that's it. And she's like, well, what is it? Is it some kind of experiment or something? And then he tells her like, yeah, well there were the guy who worked before me, said he thought he saw something once and and fucked off as you would and he's like but no i've never seen anything like you know how i've been working here for a bit and now i just stare at this box and that's it but you have to stay focused on the box that's what you're getting paid to do so uh she's like well that sounds cool but how about we do some fucking and he's <laughs> yeah, like, she's like how about tets right she's like how about you Get up in my glass box. Only it's less oh, glass. Oh. <laughs> oh. What? <laughs> you you know what I was thinking? Uh, anonymous billionaire. You know, he's paying it. John Justice Wheeler. Uh, it's yeah. not because he's not in the show. But imagine if it was. Uh, I just wanted some box on the show. Do you imagine that the, he thinks the cameras are pointed? at that box and actually they're pointed at that couple fucking John Justice sitting in his throne room stroking it which brings us to our next question oh uh hold on speaking of the glass box uh no 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 that's what some of my said 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't ask a question, Bo. You're on the show. I <laughs> question from Bo just in. Um, <laughs> hold on, it's a long thread of people <laughs> just posting dumb shit. Um, court uh, psyops asks us: Is Billy Zane resentful for not being inserted into the show? I don't even know if he was asked to come back. I heard that there's obviously there's a lot of stories about certain cast members just not getting the call. Like Piper Laurie didn't get the call. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Chen. Joan Chen, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joan Chen didn't get the call. Um, there, are, there are certain actors and actresses that did not get the David Lynch call to return. Um, he was on that list, but I heard no such rumblings. There's a lot of things where like people have said, oh, you know, I don't know why I didn't get the call. I'd love to come back. His name doesn't seem to get mentioned at all. So I always got the impression the way they like they made it definitive clear that he was going to Brazil and he was never coming back was the words right. they used. So and that to me is like he's not coming back. But um, do I think he minds? And what is? Does anyone have an idea of what Billy Zane's doing just now? He must be doing. He'll be doing movies of some description. Um, I don't think his his career will not have stagnated. Uh, would he want to be back in Twin Peaks? Most definitely, yes, I would imagine. But um, yeah, don't know. I think the way we've portrayed that character now uh, is in such a way that he can never come back, uh, and we'll just remember and keep in the front of our our, our memories all the warm and wonderful times we had with CD creepy John Justice Wheeler as voice provided by the fantastic Bill Ransdell. I don't mind <laughs> being inserted in anything. <laughs> and we all need to go for a shower now. And John Justice <laughs> Wheeler out. So look for uh, John Justice Miller who has departed the show once again. Um, so yeah, so they they decided to get down to some to some fucking so and some like, wheeling, yeah, some wheel, wheeling and dealing. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I noticed uh, straight away, like prominent scene is like tits. There was tits in the scene. I was like, oh yeah, this is showtime. This is you know after hours, Twin Peaks action. So they start to start to get jiggy with it, as Will Smith would say. And um, something starts to manifest in the box, wouldn't you know, uh, which catches unnamed white guy's attention. Um, although he does have a name. His name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. Uh, um, and we're just referencing Brad Pitt movies all the way through this entire show. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, so they start, they start making it out. Uh, they start getting a bit of the bumping grind on and then something starts manifesting. He kind of goes, shh, stop moving. <laughs> Um, to which they both look, and it looks like some sort of staticky sort of extraterrestrial sort of human sort of woman thing that's moving around in the box. But it's in the box, Bo. We're fine because it's contained in the containable container. Right. If it weren't for that container, things might happen uh, that that could result in in bodily injury, Duncan. Um, yeah. And sure enough, this this ghostly <laughs> manifestation that looks bizarre and horrid 
bursts yep. through the glass box. Yep. And then just wood chippers them with ghost energy. Yep, right in the face. Uh-huh. Right in the, to both of them, right in the face. Takes our faces clean the fuck off. It's really gruesome in kind of a it's wonderful super, way. Yeah, it's super gruesome. And your first acknowledgement that new characters don't mean anything <laughs> like in this show. Like, really. Um, this is why there's like 287 cameos in this season by famous and new actors. Um, this is why. Like, I get yeah, we're gonna. A lot of characters are gonna die. These are the first two, um, and they die in. Uh, Gruesome doesn't he? Like, it is, it is a scene that comes out of left field because you just don't expect it, and it is like hyper violent. Um, and yeah, they're dead. Yeah, it was one of the one of the scenes in the early goings of this show that was just like, oh, oh, well. That's how we're doing this. I mean, it it yeah. it's a not necessarily shock. Yeah, no, it's shocking. I I felt genuine shock and surprise when this happened. Yeah, the static when the static creature first starts arriving and starts freaking out in that box, it's unnerving. You know what I mean? This is like once again the show going in a slightly different. We've seen Bob was creepy and we've seen the Black Lodge and the flashing strobe lights and all the rest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now we have digital effects. And those digital effects have moved on quite a bit since the shitty owl effects from season two. Uh, we've now got computers, motherfucker. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, the whole thing's unnerving. Everything, like, there's a weird unnerving, that, unnerving feeling that transcends pretty much every single scene in this episode, minus the, the goofy scenes in Twin Peaks. But every scene out with Twin Peaks, you feel unnerved. It's like you want to go back to Twin Peaks because that's where it's comfortable, that's where it's safe, that's where you know where you are and the people that you're dealing with. And when we're out of Twin Peaks in the real world, quote-unquote, it's just very unnerving. And I don't know if that's a deliberate stylistic choice by David Lynch. I don't think it is. And if it is, then the man is a genius. Yeah, it, it's it's really something, man. It, it It's a great scene and it's really you know, it, it puts you on notice that this show is going to go some places. Um, so then Duncan, we cut to Buckhorn, South Dakota. Yep. And <laughs> why not? Uh, right. Where, uh, a crazy neighbor has alerted the police to a terrible smell coming from an apartment. Uh, and then we do 10 minutes of gag about finding the key to this apartment, which culminates in the punchline of, oh, she gave me the key already. And like, yeah. it's it's the neighbor like sitting here to talk to this other guy who's kind of this, you know, seemingly dirtball criminal who's talking to somebody named Harvey about some shit that he got with Chip. And meanwhile, the, the police finally get in. Uh, Jane Adams, as uh, one of the examiners, shows up, which is kind of nice. She's a lovely yeah. actress. Um, so they finally uh, enter the apartment. They find a body in the bed, Duncan. Yes. Largely covered uh, by a big comforter. And it's uh, it's super stinky and nobody's real happy about anything that's happening here. Uh, it, it appears to be a woman's head and part of her left eye. 
Yeah. Uh, part of the left side of her skull, quite frankly. Just good old-fashioned gone. Yeah, looks like she's been shot through the eye and it's taken that part of the brain yes. and head out. So, but that's not the weird thing, Paul. Like, you would like that's quite graphic. That's weird. Yeah. Why? You know, what is going on here? Um, but that's not the weird bit, Paul. <laughs> no, they very carefully peel back uh, the comforter to reveal the rest of her body. Only it ain't her body, Duncan. The body yeah. under the blanket is somebody else entirely, namely a dude. Um, yes. That is all uh, also gross and 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 decomposing. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, it's real disgusting. And again, you know, now we've got a murder on our hands. Who, Duncan? Do we know of anyone on this show <laughs> that has a pinch on for murder? Um, maybe they have something to do with this. So, yeah. I don't think we're going to have to wait that long to find out who killed the woman, and or why there's a decomposing rotund male body lying in the bed as well. Yeah, and then we move to the scene that uh, had like moments after being terrified had me rolling a tear, Duncan. All right. Uh, and <laughs> scoff all you want. I'm not gonna scoff. Make fun I, I, of my not... human emotions. And no, I won't at all because there there is something very poignant about this because the actress no longer lives and she was dying of cancer when she made this scene when she shot this scene. Like the tubes that are in her nose were really in her nose. Um, she came back to do this even though she was terminally ill with cancer. So yeah, and. There, all right, so there is the element. Here's what got me about this scene: is there is the element of that very thing. This is an actress who, you know, unlike uh, ourselves, Duncan, her face and likeness were on coffee mugs and T-shirts. I mean, she like the Log Lady is an iconic character, yeah. and and so seeing her come back is nice to begin with, knowing she was at the end of her life. And and got to do this, got to reprise this character that she's probably better known for than anything else, mm-hmm. and and for it to be a scene that opens with her. And here's the scene, folks: is we go to Margaret, the log lady's cabin in in the woods uh, in Twin Peaks. She is sitting uh, in, in a chair, as Duncan described. She's got uh, like the oxygen tube in her nose. Um, she she does not look well at all, uh, very sadly. Um, yeah, she's and, lost most of her hair. Yeah, and uh, looks very frail and, and is, uh, again, just, you know, always a shame to see someone uh, taken by cancer, and especially someone like the log lady who we've spent a lot of hours with lately. Um, and so seeing her in that condition is, is you know, kind of heartbreaking. But then, Duncan, she, she p- picks up her phone, and she calls up one Deputy Hawk at the uh, Twin Peaks Sheriff Station. Ka-ka! Fucking A. And this is the first time we see Hawk. And let me just say, Duncan does not go that way, but we go that way for the Hawk. Yeah, if he was just what, like, want Dun- me some hot cock. You know what I mean? Duncan, I'm going to have to do some jiggery pokery in your back door. It'd be I like- would love. Yeah, please. Uh, well, yeah, I, I would drop them and spread them. Sure. 
Sure. Yeah. I, and you know, he would be tender, firm, but tender. Um, <laughs> so Margaret says, uh, my, my log has a message for you. Well, no, that is the important bit, but there's a nice little nod to how things have not changed in Twin Peaks. And, uh, we get Lucy oh, right. telling Hawk that she's on the line. And then, like, she does, like, right, right back at the very beginning, she lets Hawk know. And you can imagine this conversation has happened thousands of times that the line is the little light that's blinking on the phone. Um, Hawk knows that because you can see Hawk kind of smiles. Yeah, all right, I've got it, no problem. Then presses it. Now you're seen. Yes, and and yes, that's very that's very cute. Um, but she says my log has a message for you, uh, and basically it's you need to go find Agent Cooper. And she said, I mean, it's more cryptic. Like there's something that's been missing, Agent mm-hmm. Cooper. And you, you know, this has something to do with your heritage. You need to find yeah. it. And he's like, all right, Margaret, you know, and uh, it ends with her saying like that, that is the message my log has for you. And he says, thank you. And then uh, like, here's the thing that, that gets me about this moment is it feels like it's uh, Catherine Colson, the actress playing Margaret she when she says goodnight to hawk she is saying kind of goodnight to life like this is yeah this is the thing she got to do before it all the curtains came down and it's her delivery of that line followed by uh the delivery uh by michael horse uh when she says goodnight hawk and he says goodnight margaret and there's such a tenderness to it. And I mean, that's the character's relationship too. They're both somewhat mired in the mysticism of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. But there's this all very human thing too. And oh Duncan, it just it 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 both broke and warmed my heart. I think they call it bittersweet. Uh yeah. and I thought it was uh, a tremendously emotional moment for those of us who uh not just care about the show and the characters, but also feel a connection to the people behind the characters. So, um, yeah, I, I can't go any further than that. Yes, I, I felt the power of the emotion almost. <laughs> I recognized me. it as a thing humans feel. Yeah, <laughs> I looked at this and thought that I don't have time to feel. <laughs> it's like this is a no. It's it a, it a hugely important scene. It's not the wassy mousy of the love lady in no. this episode. No, no. So no. she will make a reappearance. Um, and I want to go to her um, cabin for coffee and pie. That's all I'm saying. Uh. Coffee and pie. Log lady's house. But yeah, so the, the, we now have the start of, you know, recognition or. Um, I don't within, think that's a word, but go uh, on. Yeah, I've, I've made it up. Uh, recognition. Um, the beginning of uh, an understanding. Uh, I don't think that's the word. Yeah. Oh, Duncan. <laughs> uh, that there is, you know, something going on with Agent Coop, and that the Twin Peaks guys know nothing about. So you know, I mean, that to them, Coop left. Um, you know, finished his job. Coop left. Like Hawks, like all right, oh, interesting. So something going on there. Um, so, you know, we're, 
maybe getting a bit excited that maybe maybe someone's going to take a look into what happened to Coop. Um, and, you know, let's let's be a little fanboy about this for a second. Mm-hmm. Back in season two, when Agent Cooper thought he was leaving Twin Peaks, yep. he says to Hawk, "If I'm if I'm ever lost, I'm I'm I hope you're the one that they send for me." Yes, and, and it's full circle, full uh, circle, both. man. Like as weird as this show gets, and as Lynchian as it all is, and stuff. At the center of this show, there is still the this the sense of connection between the characters and, and, yeah. and that's what I really like, uh, on the twin peak side, but now it's time <laughs> we, we shift gears away from, uh, human emotions, uh, into the world of forensic science because they have, uh, determined that the head in the bed, uh, here in, uh, where is it? Bucksnort Buckhead, South Dakota. Uh, Bucksnort is actually a place here in Tennessee, um, and also, also at the same time, the head in the bed uh, was the unpublished Doctor Seuss novel. Right, <laughs> there is a head in the bed. I think she's dead. Um, no green eggs and ham. No, never... that's why it wasn't published. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, so Jane Adams, uh, aka Constance is uh running fingerprints because so the head in the bed uh that is dead uh that's what i said um is now identified as the head of of ruth davenport body is still unidentified but there are fingerprints all over this room not just everywhere yes not just of ruth davenport which would be expected but also of uh, another guy, uh, what's his name, Bill Hastings, and yep. uh, Jane Adams seems surprised by this because he says, or she says, I'm sorry, um, hey, that's my kid's principal. And cut to Duncan, police rolling up on the house of one Bill Hastings. Yep. And uh, Bill Hastings is, sure enough, the local principal. Seems like a real nice guy. Played by Matthew Lillard, um, who is slowly becoming a frog. (laughs) Um, But in fairness, like, that guy, he's probably, what, late 50s? Mid 50s at this point? And he um, looks like a dude um, in his mid fifties. It's just forever he looks super young. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I I would have thought I would have thought it would have been mid twenties when he did. Well, mid. Yeah, pro- well, when I was thinking about this, because you've watched Riverdale as well. I yeah. have, yes. Yeah, so in Riverdale, Skeet Ulrich is there, and I was thinking the two of them have aged probably about the same. You know what I mean? Obviously, from from their days in Scream, the two oh, of them yeah. look. Yeah, like they look about the same age now, so um, so one is not aging better than the other, and I would think realistically, um, I would imagine like early twenties when they made Scream in '96, so maybe late forties. Yeah, maybe in that neighborhood, but uh, yeah. anyway. But he, he's yeah, he's I, I really like Matthew Lillard as an actor. Um, I sometimes feel that I sometimes feel that I, I don't think he ever got as much work as I thought he could have got. 
Um, so the fact that you've got to imagine, like Lynch and Frost have been thorough with who they've picked for the roles that they picked. Um, so the fact that he's in this one makes me really excited because that means, on some level, David Lynch has directed Matthew Lillard, which to me gives him a bit more legitimacy than maybe he had out with that. Yeah, and he's you know been I mean? directing himself. Uh, yeah. Not, although I think in one case maybe he did direct himself in a movie, but also you know stepping behind the camera and and being uh, more on that end of things, I think, uh, than being an actor of late. But yeah, I, I I like seeing him. I always thought he was good. I think he's real good in this. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. get into some scenes later where I think he's particularly good. Um, yeah. But this time he's just playing the hapless guy who have cops show up and they're like, look, we have to arrest you. And he's like, look, th- there's been some mistake. I haven't done anything wrong. And and clearly I exist in a universe where spirits can't just take you over and make you do shit. So <laughs> it's not the kind of place we live in, honey. Yeah, this isn't Twin Peaks. This is Dakota. <laughs> right. This is Bucksnort, South Dakota. <laughs> Bucksnort. <laughs> And uh, so the cops lead him away and the wife is kind of left like, and she's being a bit of a bitch about all this uh, in fairness, because she's like, we've got company coming over. And you're like, you know, your husband's being arrested. Let's not let's focus on on what's important here. Um, So we do a, a cutaway from all this business in South Dakota to join uh, Deputy Hawk. Uh, uh, hauling up some files from the basement of the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department. Yep. And he is on the hunt for all the files related to Laura Palmer and basically anything Agent Cooper touched. Um, also, we get Andy uh, appearing with, alongside Lucy. And as you said, he's got a mashed potato belly. <laughs> and... They, they are... there's a there's a great bit of impatience like that comes with age. Uh, <laughs> comes up here like they start talking about it. Um, says you know the, the old ladies told me I need to look into Agent Cooper. Ulysses like that. Oh, Agent Cooper's you know he's been gone for a while. You know he's been missing for what'll be like our son um, Wally's. Uh, you know, he's 24, so it was more than 24 years because he never met him. You know, Wally was born on the same day as Marlon Brando's birthday. Uh, Andy wanted to call Marlon, uh, Marla, and uh, Hawk just cuts him off as like, oh, we don't have time for this. Right, <laughs> right. Like, look, it's just, guys, <laughs> come on. Sheriff Truman ain't running the show right now. It's <laughs> Deputy Motherfucking Hawk. And we're going to keep the Chief bo- Hawk. Deputy Chief Hawk, somebody does point that out. And Deputy Chief Hawk is calling it into the bullshit. We've got work to do. Yeah, and I and I, quite, I, I like that. I like it's a nice little touch as if he's like that. Once again, Hawk has heard this story a thousand times. Yeah, he's like, oh, let's just move this fucking thing on here. Yeah, he's not a dick about it. In fairness, it's no, just like nice. no, we we gotta let let's focus here. Uh. So anyway, uh, Hawk is uh, on the trail now of one uh, Agent Dale Cooper. And then we cut back to uh, Snorthead, South Dakota. And (laughs) Matthew Lillard 
is being questioned. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, is being questioned uh, by actually a friend of his. You know, it's like kind of a small town like Twin Peaks. And, um, you know, it, the, the cop is just like, look, just tell me what happened. Like, this is your chance right now. Tell me what happened. And, you know, Matthew Lillard is very, con- seems to be genuinely confused by the goings on here. That he doesn't know why he's there. He knows that they think something's happened. But he doesn't know what it is. And then uh, he's questioned about Ruth Davenport. And, you know, it. this seems a little fishy. Where he's like, well, she, it sounds familiar, but she's the librarian at the school, right? Yeah, I'm. maybe I've seen her around. <laughs> And it's just like, oh, you were fucking her. Um, and then he gets caught in a bit of a lie. Uh, not a lie, just him saying like, oh, the last time I saw her was at this faculty meeting. And then I went home. And the faculty meeting ended at quarter after nine. I got home at 9.55. And the cop is like, does it always take you 40 minutes to get home? And he's like, well, but I, Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. Um, and he's like, all right. I think you probably killed somebody. Um, tell you what, we're going to arrest you now. And Matthew Lillard's like, call my wife, tell me, uh, tell her to get, to get my attorney, all that stuff. And, uh, and it, it's finally revealed to him that, you know, Ruth Davenport, uh, was murdered and that he's in serious, serious trouble because his fingerprints were all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, and he does seem genuinely surprised by this information or if not surprised, like I I'm done. Like he's yeah. either. It, and I think, it airs for me more on the side of, I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, I think you can make an argument for the other direction. Potentially. Maybe. 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 All right. So he is uh, led to uh, the sale, the cells Um do we see the black man here, or is that when his wife? Comes? No, no, that's, that's coming okay. up because that that literally is like that's. You remember when I was talking about the dragons? Uh huh. And how excited I got when I saw the dragons. When we come to that scene, equally as excited. Like, <laughs> literally, I was just watching it going. This is the only David Lynch could make like a guy sitting <laughs> blacked up on a mattress staring at the telly fucking terrifying uh huh <laughs> it's like oh well, David Lynch can do that um, uh, so no we, 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 we've got to get a bit more story about what's going on with a potential uh, um, a wandering eye of a husband but a wandering eye of a wife as well Bob. oh indeed um, so we are almost at the uh, midpoint before we check out of the part one of uh, this two-parter. Um, we get the cops investigating the house. They got a search um, 
Bill Hastings' place. And in the process of, of so doing, they're searching his car and they're moving a cooler and they find in uh, the the trunk of his car or the boot, as you say, in the <laughs> hinterlands, um, <laughs> in the boot of his car, they uh, they find what looks like just a piece of flesh. Yeah, a nice nod back here to episode one of season one of Twin Peaks and that the cops' flashlights flickering, very much like the morgue light flickers in the first episode, which like anyone that's done a bit of reading into Twin Peaks will know that um, the morgue light flickering when they go to examine Laura Palmer's body um, was not intentional. It was just something that happened by accident, but let's like the look of it. So they kept it, and then the fact that we have, you know, this this you know acknowledgement that the the flashlight is is on the blink and it's flickering exactly the same way. Nice little nod, Paul. Yep, and and certainly suggests the presence of uh, uh, of a gentleman that we have spent only a little time with, but we're gonna get uh, a little more with him later. Uh, the interestingly, um, when you watch it as a you know split apart episodic series. It ends with the black and white shot of the giant listening to the gramophone in the black and white otherware. Uh, and then and then that's how we end the very first episode of The Return of Twin Peaks. I don't know what you could have asked for. Yeah, I think what we... Acknowledgement of where Dale Cooper is, acknowledgement of the case being looked into by Twin Peaks... You know, police department, uh, or sheriff's department, um, enough intrigue um, and weirdness somewhere else, which has got me captivated to find out what was it that came through that box. And at the same time, a murder, which looks like our, um, our accusee is, uh, is unaware of what happened to this person even though he can't account for the time so yeah potential yeah. bob involvement certainly bob adjacent uh yeah. in terms of of uh despicable behavior yes we've we've played this game before horrible. we have so. indeed uh all right well n- with uh no further ado let us turn our attention to the back end of tonight's pair of episodes uh, you know, again, there's no real name to these. It's just, hey, this is episode two, Twin Peaks, the the return sees. <laughs> um, uh, so Duncan, um, let's begin uh, as my day always does in prison. <laughs> <laughs> so Matthew Lillard uh invites his like he's arranged so that his wife comes to visit him in uh in the cell. And, you know, it starts off fairly routine in terms of their conversation, uh, where he's like, look, I, you know, I, I know what they're saying. They didn't, uh, I didn't do this. And uh, she lets him know that he's not going to be let out on bail, uh, which is probably for the best. And then... She basically says, I think you killed her. You know, like she talks about the fingerprints all over uh, the place. 
and she's like, I knew you were fucking somebody. And he's like, oh, yeah, I knew about you and George and maybe other guys, too. And, like, it's it becomes this real venomous conversation all of a sudden. Yeah, it, <laughs> things escalate quickly. <laughs> yeah, all is not well in the Hastings household, for sure. And, no. and I think it's also worth pointing out, like, one of the things I think is really good in this scene about Matthew Lillard's performance is that, you know, he goes from... I'm pleading with you to to tell you, like, I, I didn't do it. No matter what the evidence says, I didn't do this. And then he gets, like, angry at her. Like, it turns on a kind of a dime where it's like, yeah. is he about to hit her? And then it goes back to him being kind of, you know, cowardly. Uh, or at least understanding that he's in some shit. And yeah, because she twists things around again because she basically in no certain terms tells him that he's going to go away for life you know what i mean bye bye so you're you know and you know i may be i may be cheating on you however the position that we're in just now you're the one that's going away for life i'm going to be fine um and then she exits the cell and he's brilliant because he really the gravity of the situation i think finally sinks in you know, there's evidence there. You had, a, you know, it's going to be known that you were sleeping with her. Um, there is motive there. There's time that you can't account for. And he kind of sinks in the cell and his hand kind of sinks in his head. And this is the bit that we're talking about, which unnerved me wholly. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's really, really bizarre because his... So his attorney, George who is the guy that his wife is fucking FYI yep. um, comes in and you know, uh, his wife is like, look, uh, he totally knows about us. We're, we're kind of done for. And so George is about to head in and talk to uh, Bill, Matt, uh, Matthew Lillard. And we cut to Matthew Lillard sitting in his cell, just head in hands, like, trying to wrap his head around the situation then the camera pans over and there's just a dude who looks burned maybe or just all in black homeless yeah he looks homeless and he's, yeah but it's but he's all black yeah apart from these piercing white eyes Um, he's got a beard kind of long shaggy hair Um, looks like he's wearing some sort of hat sitting on a mattress just staring like no movement, motionless, staring right at you, the audience, <laughs> right through your telly, right at you, and he just kind of sits there. Camera stays on him, still sitting there. Camera stays on him, and then he well, it looks like he evaporates. Apart from this last part, which kind of covers like this kind of smoky version of his face, which then drifts off out the screen. Yeah, I uh, I gotta be honest, Duncan. I don't have a read on this one. Uh, um, I do, but I can't say just now. Okay, fair enough. I know, I know where it goes, so if you know what I mean. Okay, so, all right. I, I can see that this isn't just a throwaway thing, which will make me feel better. I, I And I didn't expect it to be. It was just like, okay, I don't know if I'm supposed to get this right now. Yep. And, and Well, see, the first time I watched it, I thought it was a nod to, because there are certain sequences that have been nod nods to other lynching projects 
Uh, and I thought this was a nod to Mulholland Drive with the creature behind the wall. Oh, sure. I, I thought it was more, a, you know, a tip over the hat to uh, the Jürgen Prognell character. Oh, you're spoiling things. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, all right. We will speak, we will speak off fair. Okay. Um, <laughs> at any rate, speaking of baby did a bad, bad thing. Um, here comes <laughs> Doppel Cooper. Uh, That's my new ringtone. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be my message tone for only when you message me. All right, fair enough. That seems. I'm gonna see how long how long it lasts before someone thinks I'm having an affair. Right. <laughs> just, just, like just constantly, baby did a bad bad thing, and you're like, I I can't turn this off. It's just it's too stupid. Um, but uh, so Doppel Cooper shows up. At, at uh, the home of uh, Mrs. Hastings, Bill's wife. Yeah, this is this is fucking amazing because she arrives home late, parks the car, opens the door, you know, switches on the the hall. Is that what we call it again? Can't remember. If, I call it a hall, but I can't remember. Yeah, uh, call it yeah. Hallway. it's a hallway. Yeah, hallway light. Um, and uh, she's walking towards the living room, and there is a shadowy figure in the back of the living room. Uh, we can make out that line. We can see who it is. It's uh, it's Doppelcoop. Um and turns out she knows him, which uh-huh. I think puts which puts a pin in the Bob theory. Yep. Personally, so like Bob didn't jump in and take over Matthew Lillard. Um, although no, Bob set the whole thing up, and you know, basically he asked her how things went, and then he, he says that she's like it's like a really weird like. And he's like, you followed human nature perfectly. Right. Even after 25 years, every now and again, like Doppelcooper slash Bob is like, man, humans are predictable as shit. Yeah. And she's like, all right. And then he, take, he puts his hand in his jacket, pulls out a gun and says, this is George's gun, i.e. the lawyer. And then he shoots her through the fucking eye. Well, she turns around. Like, as soon as he pulls the gun, she's like, oh, shit. And, like, starts to take (laughs) off. And then he shoots her in the back of the head in a way that is eerily reminiscent of the wound to Ruth Davenport. Yeah, this is this is just, I think this is Doppelkip's calling card. It's his M.O. is shooting someone in the back of the head to blow out their fucking eye. All right. Yeah, I think that's what he does. specific. Um... <laughs> so wait one second. I've seen this. This is a calling card of Carlos the Jackal. <laughs> Send me the Jackal. I, I don't think that's what Jackal sound like. But all right. I think I think I think that once this episode finishes and you do a bit of investigation online, you will find that that is the noise of a jackal. All right. Well, and you can input it into this recording. Said investigation will never happen. This will always remain a mystery to me. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's not in the soundboard, Duncan. It's not fucking happening. Uh huh. Uh, Double Cooper did a bad, bad thing. Um, <laughs> but I'm just like, this guy's fucking amazing. Like, in the little time we've spent with him, he's like basically abducted two people from the Tin House of Freaks. 
Um, you know what I mean? And, and now he's just arrived at a door after helping someone, I would imagine probably for money, to set up her husband, and he killed her setting up the lawyer. Um, it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? It's amazing. Yeah, it, it, he absolutely is. Like, it's the kind of it's the shit you would expect Bob would be up to, if yeah, if not. Like, part of me is like, why isn't it all more manic? It's like, well, Bob's looking at sticking around. It's but there's also a healthy dose of yeah. Bob. Also, don't give a fuck. But also, I'd like to think that on some level, and this is me just guessing. I'd like to think on some level that the doppel version retains some of the original version and Cooper is organized to within an right. inch of his life. You know, everything's methodical and everything has a purpose and a plan and it's all laid out. And you know what I mean? And I get that feeling that this incarnation of Bob, while still, you know, maybe impulsive, etc., doesn't lean too far out of, you know, that Coop personality of kind of regiment and um, everything he has some sort of master plan and he's working towards it very much like Cooper would. Um, and I, I quite like that, even though his plan is infinitely fucking more maniacal. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm a big, big double Cooper supporter. Um, yeah, <laughs> for president. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I think it might be an improvement. Uh, so, anyway, political. Um, we we have a uh, a hipster dude in a suit uh, wandering into a a business in uh, what what appears to be back in New York City uh, or oh, certainly right. a city I thought of some kind. I, it's, no it's uh, this is Vegas so this is our first appearance in Big Eye oh yeah sorry uh, so anyway there's a dude rolling uh, into this office and this is all like this mysterious conversation. Uh, where yep. he's getting the the hipster dude is getting paid off by the guy behind the desk, and uh, then he's like, "Hey, what's it like to work for your boss?" Yeah, and the guy behind the desk is is like, "You don't want to get involved in, with a guy like him. You never want someone like that in your life." And this is the dude from Mulholland Drive as well. This is the one that actually dies off right for seeing the the creature in black behind the wall. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, same actor. So he tells you the story about this horrible nightmare, which then happens in the life, which is, in my opinion, one of the greatest on-screen scares of all time. Because you just don't fucking expect it. Uh, or you do expect it, but it's infinitely worse than what you thought it was going to be. I like the sound I don't of know, that. it's David Lynch. Yeah. It's, you know, it's David Lynch. <laughs> fucking fucked up. Um, it just attacks you at that lizard part of your brain. But yeah, like you don't want to work for this guy. It, if you're me, you're thinking, could this be Doppelcoop? Is this who he's working for, maybe? Uh, potentially. Um, I mean, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, and then we cut to darkness, Duncan. A, a light shining on uh, a stretch of road. And we see train lattices fall down and a train roll by. I hear that whistle come. And <laughs> this is kind of the musical episode. Um, Every episode now is the musical episode. kind of is, which is unfortunate. Well, I want to thank Darren for all the David Bowie memes, or Duncan oh. Bowie memes, as we're now calling them. Yeah, it was um, tremendous. 
it was a but yeah, I forgot I did that on the show. I I I had lost context until I listened back. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right, that's on Bowie. So why oh, am I David Bowie? Lot. I know why David yeah. Bowie's in it. I understand why David Bowie, you know, is we're memes here because he's in fire what with me. I understand that. Uh, FYI, we're about to reference that character coming up real shortly as well, which makes me squee. Oh man, this so. whole next scene. Because all right, so we see this lonely train rolling through some you know piece of nowhere that uh, Darla and Ray and uh, uh, Doppel Cooper and uh, who's the other dude in this scene? What's his name? Um, Jack. Um, yeah are hanging out eating some some diner food you know having some of that late night or slash early morning uh you know breakfast slash spaghetti uh kind of bless america oh it's just the best you don't have shit like that over here it's i mean again it's the best and the worst it's that kind of stuff (laughs) that kind of stuff is wonderful you when you find those out of the way diners that the food is all delicious because it's all just the most horrible food for you. But it's... It's, it's, the, it's the best and the worst because your body's not supposed to digest spaghetti at three in the morning. Well, of course not, Duncan. <laughs> but fuck that body, you know? you want, the, the, the heart wants spaghetti when the heart wants spaghetti. <laughs> and that body needs to catch up. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, so it looks like a great diner in the middle of nowhere. And they're all eating dinner, and Doppel Cooper asks Ray, like, hey, did you get that thing that I told you to get? And he's like, I mean, I, I know the guy who knows the guy. And uh, there's... Uh, no. Huh? <laughs> Which means you haven't go watch it. Right. And uh, there's also a great moment, too, where Doppel Cooper tells Ray, like, this would be a real good time for you to learn how to mind your own business. And, like, oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, man. And all right. So there's this whole speech that Doppel uh, Cooper gives where when Ray is like, I know, look, I'll get it because I know you need it. And yeah. Doppel Cooper is like, fuck you, Ray. I don't need, I want. Yeah. I don't need that. I want it. And I mean, it's just this like menacing as shit. Doppel Cooper laying out his philosophy, much like, you know, the Joker telling you about catching a car. This is Doppel Cooper being like, this is what I do. And I've, I, if I want something, nothing's going to stand in my way until I get that thing. But I don't need it. And it's, oh, it's so good. Anyway. <laughs> Turns out Kyle McLaughlin can play a badass really fucking well. And, and also a complete schlub, as we will see not too, in the not-too-distant future. Um, ha- hashtag I love Dougie. Oh, Dougie, you poor sad sack. Um, <laughs> Dougie Kip. It's 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 wonderful. That that is a character that might have his own voice. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> so, 
probably. So, um, <laughs> so we cut away from Doppel Cooper being a monster, um, to Deputy Hawk, Deputy Chief Hawk. <laughs> right get miss propers um yeah is strolling through the woods and he gets a call from margaret uh who says where are you walking tonight and deputy hawk is like fuck margaret your log is on point tonight and um she he's like look i'm you know coming up on uh glastonbury grove and uh he, she's like, hey, you ought to come by for uh, for some pie. And he's like, I will, Margaret. I'll talk to you later, lady. And, um, you know, really just kind of another nice little scene. But it, it's her, the, the big piece of information here is that she tells him that, like, the stars have to be right and, you know, all that stuff for uh, the, the journey to be successful, which, as we know, was what the... Uh, uh, creepy owl cave painting was all about yep. um you know the the not a map it's kind of a calendar kind of thing um yep. that tells you where and when to find uh the the black lodge or the white lodge yeah as said it was the code that windham arrow cracked exactly right so deputy hawk comes across glastonbury grove uh and sure enough as he's pointing uh his flashlight towards the trees um he begins to see red curtains and and we've got like you know that center pool of muck uh that is you know sort of part of the portal and uh all that so once he sees this we we stroll back in to the black lodge and here comes a whole bunch of weirdness duncan yeah that like like you me at this point be like that right it's been a bit weird there's been a creature that broke out a box and mauled a couple's face um there's been a decapitated body with the you know well decapitated head with a body that doesn't match and uh, there was a strange kind of black faced black coat wearing person that evaporated and nothing but as twin peaks david lynch goes still fairly normal and then lynch is like ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Simpleton. Uh, Shall we watch play this. a game? <laughs> yeah, like, watch this. Um, so we return to the, the Black Lodge and we have. Alright, there's a bunch. Alright, so we it's Agent Cooper. So much weirdness. Agent Cooper and Mike initially. Yeah. Yeah, Mike is looking old. Sure. Uh, well, he was looking old in the original series. Or this you know. is what I mean. Mike, yeah. Mike must be like in his eighties, I, I reckon. Um, and Mike comes out with the line that the man from the other place, or the as, as we later found out, the arm, um, asks him at the end of Fire Walk with Me, which is, is this the future, or is this, the, or is this the past? Um, which you know, cryptic, but. Once again, linking into Fire Walk with me. This is why we told you to watch it. This is why we did them in the order that we did. Yep, yep. And we gave them warning, Bo. We gave them warning. Right, and like I said, so far, still feel like I'm on board. Like I understand. Okay, we're in. We're back in the Black Lodge. We're dealing with the timey wimey stuff of, of Fire Walk with me. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Um, and then uh, Mike just blinks out. And Laura Palmer strolls in. Well, I first were like, is that Laura Palmer? Because the last time we met Laura Palmer, it wasn't Laura Palmer. That's uh, right. And this, in this case, she is still a little dodgy on that point. Um, yeah, she repeats the previous line. I feel like I know her, but sometimes my arms bend back. Right. But he also asks her directly, are you Laura Palmer? And she says yes. And he calls her on it, he calls bullshit on that, he's like, that. how can that be Laura Palmer's dead? Right, well, she also, but before we get to that, which we will, the, she starts off, like, she doesn't bury the lead. She says, you can go out now. Mm-hmm. And then we get into the Laura Palmer stuff of, like, you know, I feel like I know her, but sometimes my arms spin back. Um, but she's still creepy as fuck. It it is still the image. Creepy. It's just the image that gets me. And so yeah, so he he's questioning her. You know, like, are you Laura Palmer? Yes, I am. But Laura Palmer is dead. And then she says, "I am dead, but also not dead." Yeah. And so, uh, which, or the way she puts it is, "And yet I live." Which is also creepy. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right, so that begs the question, then, is Laura Palmer trapped in the Black Lodge, potentially? Mm-hmm. You know, we'll get into it. But then she pulls off her face, which yeah. is behind which is this blinding white light. And then she puts her face back on. And, you know. Yeah, no explanation. No right. Explanation. It's just. <laughs> like, there is. So, there, and here's the thing I've discovered with David Lynch, uh, I feel. Well, I have a theory. I don't know if you're. Yeah, go but, ahead. Let's hear it. Right. My theory was remember, we. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, but I believe. We said at the end of the previous, well, the movie, when we were talking about the the final scene, was her looking up, smiling and laughing with an angel above her? Like when she's in the Black Lodge. Yeah, I am very familiar. Yes, almost as if this was, you know, the angel is looking over her, almost as if she would transcend to the White Lodge. Right? And there are a couple of things in here which might indicate that she made it to the White Lodge, uh, but has travelled back to give Dale the message in the Black Lodge, one of them being that when she removes her face, it, there's nothing but pure white light. And two, when she finishes speaking to him, she kisses him, whispers something in his ear, then gets sucked up into the air. So if you would assume that the Black Lodge is down, the White Lodge must be up. Yeah, and I'm 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 kind of on board with that. Uh, and be, the point I was I was going to make uh, before I was so rudely interrupted by your good information <laughs> is because I agree with that. I think that's that's what's going on. Uh, is that I what I've discovered is that David Lynch is surprisingly literal in his symbolism. Yeah, he is. And yeah, very much so. So, like you said, when she pulls off her face and there's this brilliant white light behind it. 
that is obviously the symbol of like purity and good and stuff like that. So that's what you would assume is within this version of Laura Palmer. But then when she gets pulled away, it seems horrible. Like she starts oh, like still got a, a set of pipes when it comes to screaming, by the way. <laughs> sure does. Holy fuck. And screaming. Ugh. So at this point, like Agent Cooper has asked her right before she gets sucked away, like, when can I go? And then she whispers something to him and then she kisses him and then she gets sucked away. So he's still kind of stuck in the Black Lodge, but now there's sort of this weird wind blowing. Yeah. Well, Mike appears back and Mike repeats exactly the same line that I said before. Is it future or is it past? Yep. And then the wind starts to blow and we're going to go a wandering ball. We're going on a bit of a Black Lodge walkabout, which I am always for. <laughs> where we go um, past... Oh, you're walking. <laughs> There's like one of these... Uh, there used to be a game show in the UK called um, uh, Nightmare. And an infamous TV show in the UK. It was basically... It was like a game show for kids, like teams of kids. And um, it was all done against green screen. I'm going back, this is like early 90s as well, so it's like really early tech for a green screen. Um, and one of the kids would have to wear like a like a medieval helmet that would cover, obscure their vision. Um, and they would travel along the green screen. So basically it would be, they would walk into a castle and um, they would meet several people on their journey. But they, because they couldn't see, they'd have to be directed by the rest of the people. So say like, one step left, you know, forward for three paces, whatever. Um, and I swear to God, this upcoming scene with a, a particular tree brain um, is like something right out of this TV show from the early 90s. You know, you walk into a room, what's in the room? Well, there's a there's a tree thing there, and the tree's going to talk to you and tell you how to travel on your next quest. It's like so, so much like this. Um I'll be honest with you, when I saw this, I thought they fucking lost it. At first. Um, I reined back after a couple of minutes of it. But when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> like the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, it's like hundred an hours. arm too far. <laughs> yeah, hundred hours into Twin Peaks mythology and all the rest of research. And then this, the tree brain shows up and I'm like, no. Nope. No, you fucked it, David. No. <laughs> I see, iPad I, closed, headphone out. I was kind of on board. As soon as I saw it, I was like, uh-huh. And I mean, <laughs> I was into it. Because, uh, all right, so what I was, happened? I, I got into it quick with the yeah. reveal I got into it. So. so when, so Mike, you know, shows back up and says, is it future or is it past? And then he disappears across the room and waves Agent Cooper uh with him and uh so they enter another room where as you described there is a a leafless like a winter tree a not quite a sapling but not quite a tree like a real skinny tree with this big bulbous fleshy part and mike says this is the evolution of the arm which means obviously that the man from another place is has evolved into this kind of ganglia brain thing, which makes sense because the actor's no longer living. So right, well, you got to do something, and why wouldn't you go this route? 
and yeah. uh, so the and and basically the the evolution of the arm explains to Agent Cooper that uh, you know his doppelganger. Well, he doesn't totally explain, but he's just like, "Do you remember your doppelganger?" And then there's a flashback to all the stuff that happened uh, at the end of season two of Twin Peaks. All the terrifying stuff that happened at the end of season two. Right. All the horror where Agent Cooper is chased by his doppelganger. And by the way, I love that I'm stringing these sentences together with those words and it makes (laughs) sense, kind of. So... uh, It makes, makes, like, like, see, had, like, season three never existed. Stringing those words together would have been, like, Kinda, maybe, like you know, uh, but the fact that we can now do it in context, there is a confidence that comes out. I, I, I feel your passion right now as we're recording. I, I'm digging it. I'm, I'm vibing off it, Bo. It's Tell yeah. Me it, more. Oh man, it's so good. So all right, so we leave the Black Lodge for a second because now that we've talked about Doppel Cooper, it's time to see him in action. Yeah. And in this case, he's uh, getting some some shit out of a storage uh, locker that is uh, owned or rented by Jack. And then Doppelcooper just grabs his face (laughs) and just mushes it for a while. Yep. And that's it. That's the scene. Yep. But kind of what I love about it is that it's just, you know, Doppelcooper slash Bob just being like, this guy's got a weird face. I'm just going <laughs> to touch it a while. <sighs> and See, and what, I, what, I, what I got from that scene is like that. Um, oh, you're dead. Oh, for <laughs> like, sure. Jack, <laughs> no. Jack, you're a goner. You just don't like Cooper's relishing this moment because he's on a tight time scale, but he's just relishing the fact that he's going to smush your face. Smush, 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 smush. Yeah, it's about time for Doppel Cooper to settle all of the family's business. And it kind of started in that scene. And he, so he rolls up into the cheap motel they're staying at where Darla, who is apparently his fuck buddy when they're being criminals on the road. And God only knows what horrible seed has been tossed into her womb. Oh, for fuck's sake. I don't mean <laughs> Doppel Cooper. I mean, like, you saw who was up in that shack. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. The nastiest train ever has been run on Darla. Uh, right. And that. she remembers just enough of it to keep doing the drugs. So, yeah. <laughs> Dar- poor Darla. <laughs> so... Uh, the season's, our Daria. The season's Laura Palmer. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of, but not as not as. What's the name of the actress? Is this the Jennifer Jason Lee? Isn't it? Not just yet. We'll get to her. I'm, I'm talking about Daria. I'm sorry. The the, the little. Oh, sex sorry. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm thinking the the one. Yeah, we're we're a scene away. But so Daria was on the phone with somebody, and you know. Is like, oh shit, he's coming back. I gotta go. And um Doppel Cooper rolls up in and just kind of stalks around the room a little bit, checking shit out, grabs the gun off the nightstand beside her. Yeah. P- pulls her into his arms, and he's well, like he asks he asks who he asks who she spoke to on the phone, and she says she spoke to Jack. Right. So I was just speaking to Jack, making sure everything's okay and all the rest. 
and like we know something, Coop knows something that she doesn't know. Yeah. And and he gets her all cuddled up beside him. And is like such a creepy scene. Such yeah, a creepy scene. It's so good. <laughs> Where he's like, Hey, who'd you who'd you say you were talking to? And she's like, uh, Jack. And he's like, Huh, darling. I killed Jack two hours ago after he wired the car. And she's yeah. like, the fuck? Uh, and she tries to get away from him just then. And he yeah. reins her back in. And then he pulls a tape player out of his pocket and plays the conversation that she just had with Ray, where she admits... Yeah, right, so, there's, yeah, before we get into it, this is the one thing I'm going to stress, right? And this is te- technically using advanced knowledge, but this is the sort of thing that that is arcing people online. And I want to stress something that Twin Peaks has a history um, as a TV show of having a different take on technology. Technology doesn't work the same way in Twin Peaks that it works everywhere else. Um, and you just have to roll with that. Don't question it. How did he get the, you know, he's always using a burner for Can't be traced not. How does he have the recording? Don't question it. Magic computer that's coming up? Don't question it. Right. Don't well, question it. Just roll with the tech. Weird tech. This is supernatural tech. This is this is fucking double coup. Exactly. When you're talking about the evil doppelganger of an FBI agent who is also the vehicle for an evil spirit from a place called the Black Lodge, <laughs> my big complaint isn't how did he record that phone call? Yeah. Because he's a spirit. He could just be like, like, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a quick explanation. Um, because he's kind of a ghost person, he intercepted the energy, and we know that they travel along electrical lines and stuff like that. He intercepted the electrical energy and through electromagnetics imprinted the voices on the tape. Boom, done. Solved. Solved, yep. yeah. So, anyway, he starts uh, knocking Daria around a little bit because he wants well, to We know. find that Ree's been arrested. Ree yes. says in the phone call that he got arrested picking up whatever doppelgut wanted but he basically up weapons says across that, state lines yeah 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 and he basically tells her that the responsibility of getting rid of doppelgut now lies with her and she's like oh shit he's coming and so yeah he starts wrestling with her a little bit then just when you forget that like twin peaks isn't exactly always nice to women um he fucks her in the face with his fist, breaking her nose. And then it just gets uncomfortable, Bo. Like, super uncomfortable. Well, she asks him, uh, like, are you going to kill me? And he just goes, yes, darling. And then starts yeah. asking her other questions. Yeah, we get a great bit of expositional dialogue here where he explains that he is from the Black Lodge and his time is up and he needs to go back. However, he has a fail-safe um, what she's going to deploy because he ain't going back. Right. Doppel Cooper slash Bob having too good a time here on Earth. And and that's how Agent Cooper goes back. I mean, I don't know what the schedule was, like why it's 25 years. Well, yeah, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, this is once again why these things where I don't know where they plucked 25 years out because Bob was with Leland for 40 years. Because right. Mike said that in Twin Peaks that Bob had been missing for 40 
30 years. But maybe so I don't know. maybe it's the doppelganger itself that can only be outside the Black Lodge for Which, yeah, years. But yeah, I, can, I could roll with that. So, but that. whatever the arrangement, it's 25 years. So, Doppelcooper had plans in motion. The fact that Ray fucked up is not cool with Doppelcooper. Um, and then he says, uh, did Ray get that information from Hastings' secretary? And did he ever mention coordinates to you? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about, Doppelcooper. And he's like, well, all right then. And because he even tells her, like, they could save your life. Yeah. And, you know, and then she gives him this vague, like, maybe he said something, but I don't really know. And he's like, all right. So time to murder you, which he does. <laughs> he does, yeah. And it is. Oh, before he does that, though. He ask, asks her about the playing card. He's like, hey, have you ever seen this symbol before? And it's this kind of misshapen egg with ears, like a real fucked up bunny pro, uh, silhouette or something. And she's like, I've never seen that. And he says, well, this is what I want. And then he murders her. Uh, yeah. And, you know, so long, Daria. Uh, <laughs> you seem like a real shitty person and your life seemed terrible, but probably didn't deserve to be beaten up and then murdered by Doppel Cooper. Um, so yeah. sorry about all that. So he goes across to his computer, right? Uh -huh. Swings up the, the, the laptop, hacks into the FBI, um, pulls up the schematics for, no, in fact, before he does that, he goes on the phone. So yeah. he uses some weird box phone, um, and contacts... Philip, right? Uh huh. Uh, and he's speaking to Philip, um, and the accent isn't that great accent that Bo let us hear on the last recording. It just... It's not the hey y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. Uh, but basically, he's speaking to him, and um, he basically asks him if he's still lost, so to speak, still gone, um, and. The voice on the other end basically says that they, they know that Cooper met with uh, Major Garland, um, and Cooper's like, "This is Philip Jeffries, right?" Uh -huh. and this guy's, you know, basically says that you know he's going back um, tonight, uh, as in going back to the, the Black Lodge, um, and then the call is hung up. So he was trying to contact Philip Jeffries. Right, right, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, it's not Philip Jeffries, but that there's an implication there then that a Doppelkoop knows who Agent Jeffries is, or has had contact with Agent Jeffries. Yeah, as um, well as Garland Briggs, who came to visit him. So, like, yeah, so this is quite interesting, Bo. There, there is something afoot, Duncan, and uh, yeah. but and yeah, uh, you know, uh, the the voice on the other end says like I'm going to the Black Lodge to be with Bob again. Yeah, and that's where Doppel Cooper is like, who is this? Is this Philip Jeffries? And it's kind of interesting to know too that even as like uh, Doppel Cooper is working on his computer, it, like the screen kind of fuzzes out and stuff. Uh, 
because again, you know, he is a creature of energy. The 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 spirits of the Black Lodge. Yeah. Um, remember the remember the ceiling fan uh, from from a uh, fire with me. It's all to do with ele- electricity and energy. There's a linkage there. Um, so he hacks into the FBI computer and brings up the schematics for the the jail, the penitentiary, or whatever we're calling it, that Ray is locked up in, and then downloads it to his phone using doppelkipper magic, mm-hmm. um, and then proceeds to go next door uh, to where Jennifer Jason Lee is. Um, Who has somehow not aged since The Hateful Eight, but is pretty much the same character. Exactly the same character. <laughs> like exactly, exactly the same character. Um, and then tells her that her and whoever she's with need to to saddle up and get ready to meet him at a place. Um, so he tells her they need to set off to a certain place and he will be in touch in however long. Um, so there's some plan that the that Doppelcook has. Uh, has kind of got in his, his brain. He's already once again very much, very much like original Agent Cooper is already starting to plan things out for what he's going to do with Ray. And a couple of things worth pointing out in this scene: one, the enormous number of Cheetos uh, wrappers, uh, Cheetos bags laying that. laying around the room, including Cheetos on the floor. Uh, it's just a bunch of booze and Cheetos in this room, which I really love. Uh, also, uh, she does refer to him as boss and then gives him the Jeffrey Jason Lee seductive uh, uh, goings on. And, uh, you know, Doppel Cooper seems into it. Uh, so, I don't know. She's probably a real terrible person if Doppel Cooper's <laughs> real into her. Um, anyway, then back to the Black Lodge we go. And the evolution of the arm is once again speaking to Agent Cooper and gives him the numbers 253 and then talks about how time is a flat circle. Um, (laughs) But basically kind of lays down the fact that like, hey, Bob has to come back. Yeah. And, And you need to leave right now. So agent cooper uh follows mike out and then you know kind of gets lost amongst the hallways of the black lodge as you do we played this game before yeah we've done this before we did this you know and right back at the very end of twin peak season two so yeah so we're gonna walk into a room this isn't the right room walk into another room he does walk into a room though and meets leland palmer uh-huh by the way ray wise holds it down as well agent like what because he, he will be, you know, he'll be a fair age now as well. And he's he's looking good. He's looking sharp. We have seen quite a lot of him. Obviously, if you watched uh, Suburban Gothic, not a great movie, but he is fantastic in it. If you've watched um, Digging Up the Marrows, once again, not a great movie, but he's fantastic in it. So he's been, he's a, he's a working guy. He's, he's been doing some stuff. And he is aging very well. He's looking good. Yeah. Um, and he basically tells him that he needs to find Laura Palmer. Um, and this is not like the end of season two we met a Leland Palmer-esque character but he was like a doppelganger version because he had the white over eyes right this one seems really mournful as opposed to scary 
Yeah, this is I I get the feeling that the the doppelganger and the the Ray Wise is both both in here. Um, maybe not necessarily at the same time, but they're, they're both in there. And yeah, I, I kind of feel I feel sorry for him. He's a tragic character in this as well. But yeah, he basically says he needs to to find Laura, save her. Um, and then walkie 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 walking about the place, walking about the place. And things are not great. So we bit started kind of disturbance. There's a disturbance in the force. Right. Um, Mike says to the you know the arm that uh, something is wrong. The arm says something to do with his doppelganger. Right. Um, and are also we're we're seeing a lot of like shifting of the of the floor, like real yes. disorienting kind of looks we also get a little bit of the static hiss like we heard with the uh, gramophone yep uh um, we also hear some electricity like a lot of these sound cues because david lynch does all the sound design so all that stuff is meaningful you know so yeah. we're so there's something that connects the black lodge to the place the black and white place we saw before and anyway keep going yeah so a uh, kipper standing in one of the corridors between rooms and then is attacked by the doppelganger version of the arm. This time the, the brain is green uh, and not the fleshy colour that we had before. The floor basically breaks up and he falls into a void which transfers him through space and time through a essentially a portal uh, window into a large glass box, which is our large glass box in New York. Well, let's not gloss over the fact that he is cast into non-existence. Yeah. And when he smacks the box, he kind of sinks in and floats into the box itself. Mm-hmm. And... So, the person that has paid for this this billionaire that has paid for this box clearly knows something Bo. <laughs> no yes one would presume that someone who knew something about something black lodge related is up to some business because we also <laughs> get a glimpse of some of the machinery and there's a lot of electrical batteries and stuff like that like yeah. could this be one of the seven portals so we know of two at least two uh, but it seems man-made it doesn't seem like it's a natural portal like the place above the convenience store or something like yeah. that it seems like somebody creating the portal yeah it's interesting uh, uh, but uh-huh. uh, yeah huh? uh, so cooper remains floating in the box um and then the box appears to move backwards um, and elongate backwards uh, into nothing. Yeah, it um, seems like it kind of forces him out. Yeah, in in its own way. I don't know if that's some sort of weird defense mechanism. Like th- this is another thing that's like I don't have a good answer to this other than it seems to shut Cooper out, but allows the other thing in. Because the other thing about this scene, speaking of being timey wimey, is this scene is taking place concurrently with a white dude getting meeting Tracy in the lobby 
right yeah. before they get murdered by the other thing that the box attracts, which begs the question, was the thing in the box called by them doing the business or was it called because it was chasing Cooper and Cooper had just been there? Yeah. See, I feel I'm like I'm on top, top. I'm on top of this. I'm asking the right questions, Duncan. I think you're asking the right questions. I don't necessarily know if we'll get in the long term if we'll get many substantial answers to the minutia of that. Doesn't um, matter. I'm hopeful. It doesn't matter though. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. It does not matter. I mean, Where not go next? not that stuff. Oh. Like I don't I don't worry about those details because there's a lot of like subconscious dream logic that permeates Twin Peaks. And like you said, if you're going to be a stickler for details. This ain't your show. Um, yeah, give up now. Um, so yeah, so the Cooper appears to get dragged back into nothingness, um, back into non-existence. Going... Non-existence. Where are we going now? This. Oh, this is. Uh, we get a quick uh, glimpse of uh, Sarah Palmer. Oh yeah, and... who is? Oh my god, not doing well. Chain smoking, watching uh, animal documentaries. One thing I will say about this scene, she doesn't, I don't think she even speaks in this scene if memory serves. And one thing that's fascinating though about it is that as she's watching these like lions eat a gazelle, uh, like mouth first, it's like a wildebeest actually. And you see the reflection of the show in all of the mirrors behind her. Yeah. And then she starts to get a crazy look on her face. Like maybe she's having a premonition of something. Or, like, she's always been sensitive to the Black Lodge stuff. Yeah, that's where Laura got it from. So, yeah, yeah, she looks haggard. Uh, But once again, like, no dialogue, but conveys so much. Yeah, we know where she is. Like, you look at her and realize that she has led a very sad, lonely life since the last time we saw her. Same house as well. Yeah. She's in the same house. She, is, um, she lives in a tomb of sorts. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then where do we go? Oh, the Roadhouse, Duncan. Of course we do. You ready to wrap the, this episode up with some uh, music, <laughs> some good times? Yeah, because uh, there's a band on stage playing, playing a song. We have Shelly Johnson um, with a group of girlies doing some shots, drinking, and then a young guy comes in, and he is joined, ladies and gentlemen, by the return of the wayward son of Twin Peaks, James Hurley. Hey, everybody! <laughs> Guess what? I had an accident. <laughs> yeah, well, this is what they say. Like, he stands over at the bar ordering a drink, and he looks over at the at the table, and Shelley nudges the room and says, oh, look, James Hurley's looking at you. And then we get a story of, when on his bike on the way to Mexico, we can only assume he was in a bad accident. And we're like, all right, did that fix brain cells? <laughs> I hit my head a bunch. Would it, be, would it be funny if he'd hit his head and he was like, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. You know, well, what happened was he bounced on his head a couple of times. So it was like, do not look like Laura. Hey, I think I finally understand geometry. <laughs> Oh my god, you still don't look like Laura. Equals MC squared. I get it now. Oh, and now I stop falling. Am I okay? He's like, in sooth, I do not know how, but, you know, alas, poor Yorick. I knew him, Ray, she, you don't look like Laura. 
He was a man oh. of infinite Laura. Laura! Um. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, and they have a stare across me. Once again, like, get a zoom in on Shelly Johnson, who is aging nice. Um, and in the background, serving drinks. Did you notice who was there? Uh, I did not. He was serving drinks in the background. Ah, it was another Renault. Really? Okay. Yeah. Same actor played Jack Renault. Same actor. So he's playing another Renault because uh, the Renault is on the roadhouse. Ah, fantastic. So yeah, so, so he was in that. He was in the background. Um, the only we thing get I did Balthazar Getty, who. Not sure well, who he is, but yeah, I don't know who he is either. But that was the weird thing. I don't know, like the camera like hung on him as if we should know who that was. Um, well, clearly Shelley does. Yes, which will bring up interesting conversation moving forward. Um, but yeah, and then we close out. Um, by the way, in a way, we will close out quite a lot of Twin Peaks this season with a a band playing live. At the Roadhouse. Uh, in this case, the Chromatics. Uh, or yes, the, uh, great song. The I can't wait to own the soundtrack, by the way. The soundtrack for this season of Twin Peaks has been the hitching. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's where we are. So, let's let's do a quick summary, Duncan. Okay. All right. Uh, Deputy Hawk on the, on the trail of uh, Agent Cooper. Yep. Who has been cast into non-existence by the evolution of the arms doppelganger with a brief pit stop in a mysterious billionaire's experiment <laughs> before yeah. said experiment captures or draws a monstrous ethereal being that murders a couple uh, one of whom was being paid by this mysterious billionaire to watch, presumably for this ju- just this kind of thing. Um, yeah. And uh, what am I leaving out in terms of story? Oh, and then Doppel Cooper is knows he's supposed to go back to the Black Lodge, yeah. doesn't want to go back to the Black Lodge, and has yeah. some grand plan in motion to secure his ability not to. And and we we kind of skipped over this but there is that great moment where agent cooper before he's thrown into non-existence just opens a curtain and sees doppel cooper rolling down the highway yeah uh that's pretty great and um yeah and then we've got the folks in twin peaks just doing what uh the twin peaks do uh we've got, um we have a bill in prison Oh uh, right! All the stuff going on in Snortfart, um, yeah. South Dakota, <laughs> is yeah, like yeah, like he's he's in prison for a murder he definitely didn't. Do. Um, definitely, his wife is now dead. I right. get the feeling he he didn't do it. Well, he's been set he up. Yeah, he's clearly being set up by his wife and uh, her lover, his attorney, uh, both of whom, uh, well. The wife is dead. Presumably, George probably isn't long for the world. and uh, Or at least it's being set up in the same way that poor Bill was by his gun being yeah. found at the, at the scene of uh, Bill Hastings' wife's murder. So, yeah. And uh, Doppelkoop is rolling down the road on a mission to head 
one can assume to the prison that Ray is held in. Exactly. He, for whatever reason, there is a link between Bill Hastings and Bob, and Bob is going to uh, to to meet up with him, and and we will learn more about that. Um, learn more about what the fuck Doctor Jacoby is doing with all those shovels. Um, Lots of shovels. A lot of shovels. Um, you know, uh, there's going to be some more weird tech still. Uh, there's going to be a Dougie. Um, oh, Dougie. And hey, welcome to the show, Naomi Watts. Thanks for joining us here. So fucking happy that Naomi Watts joined the cast, and she is one of the pure joys of season three of Twin Peaks. She's a fucking great character. Maybe you've you've only had standoffish stuff, but moving forward, you're going to fall in love. Uh, you know, it's it's hard not to fall in love with Naomi Watts. She is. Uh, what we call uh, in in the movie business a classical beauty. She uh, yeah. She looks like she should have been a movie star in the nineteen forties. Um, mm-hmm. And and ain't nothing wrong with that. Them forties girls are all right by me. I mean, not now because <laughs> most of them are dead. But whatever. You're not here for that, listeners. Um, yeah. I was going to say, I think that's us all caught up with this. Obviously, I'm in an enviable position that I know where a lot of the reason I've let you kind of take lead on doing quite a lot of the talking is I don't want to see something that happens beyond the episodes, and we'll probably have to do that for the next few episodes until we get up to episode eight, uh, at which case I will only know what I have watched for the show as opposed to watched beyond. Um, so I can only te- speak in terms of the context. However, um as a return episode to one of TV's most iconic TV shows of all time, uh, this is fucking amazing. Um, it's unlike it, very much like when Twin Peaks first aired back in 1998, unlike anything anyone has seen. Um, Lynch is a boss, man. He really, really is. His visual style, you know, aesthetical choices, the, the details, the, the way cat, the the scenes interact with each other, the way the actors interact with each other, prolonged silences, sparse use of score, um, uh, it's like a, 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 it gives me that excited feeling that I felt the first time I started watching Hannibal. Just like that. This is like an auteur Mm -hmm. artist doing TV and that's exactly the way I feel at the end of this one. It's hard not to get swept up by seeing so many characters that you know come back and then start to delve into like this kind of richer tapestry in the background of storylines that have been happening in the 25 years since the show was left, particularly with uh, Doppelcoot, uh, that will hopefully unfold as time goes on. Yeah, love it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I Watching the... Watching the first episode in its entirety, because like I said, I watched up to the scene with Dr. Jacoby uh, a while back, or uh, not that long ago, but it feels like forever, Duncan. Um, and I like I liked what I saw, uh, but I was like, I just I I'm I want to hold off a little bit, and so I can properly dive into this. And now that I'm you know a handful of episodes deep. Uh, and and with more to come, it feels completely unique and also familiar 
in the sense that it it carries some of the same tone of Twin Peaks, some of the silliness, some of the weirdness, um, but it's definitely a darker thing, and it's more ambitious for sure. Yeah. And the places yeah. it's going are so weird and and sort of philosophical in nature. It really appeals to me, and uh, I'm excited. I like I. I hope my enthusiasm was evident as we were talking about this episode. I, I really <laughs> just a tad. <laughs> I enjoyed everything about both of these episodes. Even oh my god, like James showing up. What kind of beer you want? You know all that stuff. <laughs> I was just like, it feels so good to be home. It feels like you're you're weirdly back among friends. Yeah, it feels like you've been away traveling. You know, you've been like you went away on like some sort of a wander of the planet Earth and 25 years later you've come back to the place that you left originally and there's familiar faces all around. It's, it's, it's nice to be back. Yeah, yeah. And and I think much like the passage of time, uh, we find that when we revisit uh, these places, they are entirely the same and also completely different in a, in a way that is sometimes disorienting. Um, and I, I think that that's how this Twin Peaks feels it they're like when the crazy ghost lady shows up in the, the glass box or not, maybe not a lady who, who the fuck knows, um, when the ghost shows up and then busts through the glass and chews up those people. Uh, I, I was like, I didn't, I had no expectation that something like this would happen, especially in the first episode back. Um, oh yeah, where it gets so deep into the Black Lodge mythology, and because that's what the whole Doppelcooper storyline is, and and that's always been my favorite stuff in Twin Peaks, and the fact that the whole show is kind of that in a lot of ways is so tremendous. Yeah, it doesn't have to cater to silly characters in Twin Peaks anymore that are just there for one or two episodes. You know, I can now focus on the stuff that David Lynch always wanted the show to be about. But he obviously took his eye off the ball to go and make movies. Um, but he's not doing that this time. So, yeah. yeah. I, I I think it's fantastic. I, I can't wait to talk about the next two, which get even... I mean, again, we're about to we're about to hit Dougie territory. And Dougie is a place you want to be, folks. Um, <laughs> it's it's a delight. And, and again, kudos to uh, one Kyle McLaughlin um for just nailing it both ways oh yeah uh, all three ways damn it yeah um, three three characters um by the time we meet dougie he will be three characters in twin peaks right so. god oh, i love this show so much i'm so i'm mm-hmm. i can't i can't believe that part of my day uh consists of of thinking about twin peaks and the weirdness that is inherent with it and it just makes me smile. I, I yeah. it, like in a weird way, it feels like we're all in a secret club, uh, listeners, as well as Duncan. <laughs> like we're all in this secret club together, where we know all these little inside jokes about Twin Peaks that are only funny to us, but we also all kind of dig Twin Peaks. So it feels good. It feels good. I'm glad. I, I'm excited to go on this particular journey with our listeners. That said, Duncan. Enough jiggery pokery. Fufara. Enough. Boulder dash. 
uh, enough uh, uh, Haas and Pfeffer. <laughs> I love Haas and Pfeffer. It's... With, a, with, with some father beans and a nice Chianti. When, when you order it, do you go, Haas and Pfeffer? I, that's exactly what I say it like. Because uh, they won't serve it to you if you don't do that. Uh, are, are you? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? No. It was a classic Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah, I don't know that. Oh, what did they call him in Scotland, Duncan? Well, no, I know who Bugs Bunny is. <laughs> don't live in a fucking cave. I'm <laughs> not so sure. <laughs> Seemed pretty lean on the Haas and Pfeffer information. That's classic Bugs. Oh, I'm sure it was when it aired when. I mean, originally in the 50s. Well, there you go. I wasn't alive then, Duncan. Yeah, but you, you Americans love reruns. We, love them as much we love Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny, talk about the Joker. You want to you wanna introduce your kids to chaos, you play them a couple of those early Bugs Bunny cartoons where he ain't trying to teach anybody a lesson and he's just there to <laughs> fuck shit up. That's Bugs Bunny. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway... So, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, if you would, uh, if you're enjoying the show, rate and review and follow and like. And, hey, come by Legion Podcasts on uh, Facebook. Also, the podcast Under the Stairs. You can find Duncan and myself uh, at either of those Facebook groups. Uh, sometimes both. Um, in the meantime, Duncan, where would people be able to hear more of you should this not have been enough or they just don't believe how good it is? <laughs> uh, you can check out podcasts under the stairs at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast go to the website tputzcast.com search for it on iTunes proud member of Legion Podcast Network um, and yeah we're rolling through the 70s by the time this episode drops we will be a few days away uh, from dropping an episode with Bo on it uh, which we'll be covering in 1973. And FYI, 1973 ain't no slouch. Uh, expect to hear tears, disbelief, arguments, commiseration, and ultimate harmony uh, as we pick the top two movies from that year to carry on representing 1973 in the final round table to select the, the top ten horror movies using my weird quirky rules of pain. <laughs> Uh, of the 1970s. So, yeah. I have, Monday. I have been pleasantly surprised by the fact that at the outset of the episodes, I've been calling both movies. I've So far, I've been batting a thousand. I mean, yeah, I'm not I just because I was... This thing. <laughs> All right, I okay. genuinely think 73 is going to cause issues. Because I think I've got my two, and I don't think it's... One, one of, of our two is yeah. gonna be the same. Yeah, I don't think the second one is. So, I, I I think I, you're absolutely right, but I want to have that argument because I I want to have that argument as well because I'm I am I, I I'm fairly sure that no matter what you submit as an argument, mines will win. <laughs> so all right, we'll see, we'll see. That's what, <laughs> it's what the, this very show was founded on that idea of us arguing about movies. Um, we're very good at it as well so I think that's the bit that I'm looking forward to is that I've not really had to do it yet with any of my recordings Uh, um, 
and I think this one's the first one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it like it gets tougher as the years go on, and seventy three yeah. is the first year where you got to start making some tough calls, man. Mm-hmm. Don't look now, ain't no slouch. That's a that that that's a movie that's got to be talked about. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. we'll get into it. Um, hey, listeners, it's me again. <laughs> you may remember me from such podcasts as this one just now. Um, if you want to hear more of me, and God, why would you? Uh, you can check out legionpodcasts.com, uh, where not only do you hear uh, shows like this one and uh, the Shodcast, which, by the way, is about to drop an episode that I would encourage you to listen to, if, even if you don't listen to video game podcasts, uh, because there's a very funny discussion of daguerreotype. <laughs> so... I don't know how much more I could sell you on a podcast than to tell you they are daguerreotype jokes. Um, also, uh, what else do I do? Hero, Hero Hero Go Show, which has been long delayed, but I, I swear to God, it, there is a new episode coming, I promise. And uh, uh, Horror Hangover, uh, which is a, a bi-weekly podcast, also delayed recently uh, because there's an episode I'm working on that's taking way longer to put together than I ever expected, but it's going to be worth the wait, I think. So, uh, all of that stuff, as well as uh, plenty of other shows, uh, most recently, the Psycho-Semantic Podcast, uh, you ought to check that out. And also, uh, if, hey, say maybe you're one of those people who is like, hey, I used to go to that website, but sometimes it loaded kind of slow. Fuck that shit. We have <laughs> upgraded the server, and it's actually really, really quick and responsive now. So, um I'm very proud of that. I know that's a real nerd thing to be proud of, but then pages load up so much faster. I like it. <laughs> uh, Duncan, any final thoughts before we get the hell out of here and let these people go about their lives? We are eight episodes away from finishing this journey, ladies and gentlemen. Eight episodes. Um, yeah, lock yourselves in. This is the final stretch for our new season. Can't wait to get mm. through them. Can't wait. Oh, man, and Twin Peaks came back in fighting shape, and the only thing ready to go up against that kind of juggernaut is a tubby bastard like me and a Scott. <laughs> That's science. Um, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week with uh, two more episodes of Twin Peaksies, The Returnsies, and more craziness and Dougie. All right, everybody. See you then. Say goodnight, Duncan. Good night, Duncan. Or as I like to say a little on my jackal noise, which is That sounds like you stepped on a cat. No ID, no sale. Sorry.
Hey, hey man, what about some rock and roll? 